is a Super Bowl commercial, you morons. Iron Brains, a podcast that has remained steadfastly disinterested in the recent local kerfuffle over the renaming of the neighborhood elementary school. But if this podcast was going to have an opinion about such matters, which, to be clear, this podcast does not, the opinion would be, why not just leave well enough alone? The school isn't named for a former Confederate general or even a slave-owning founding father but for a man who served as superintendent of schools for 35 years, ending in 1946. The worst that can reasonably be said of him is that during a time in which school segregation and the bogus doctrine of separate but equal were the law of the land, he maintained the status quo, that he was no moral hero, working publicly to dismantle the institutions of white supremacy writ upon the local school system of which he was the leader. But just another leave-well-enough-alone coward who, if he knew any better, didn't tell anyone. But of course, as is the case with any marginal local figure who died years before this podcast's parents were born, his name is but an abstraction, disconnected from any person or anything he did, and just a proper noun for the building and general property around that building, the administration of which is currently handled by at least equally well-meaning people actually living today who, no doubt, hold all manner of beliefs that this podcast, and certainly our coming morally superior posterity, might find abhorrent, or at least discomforting. But again, this podcast has preferred to remain steadfastly disinterested in even having the conversation, if for no reason but the simple fact that this podcast does not care enough in either direction to warrant raising a voice. That the act of voicing an opinion would be to tell a lie about how much this podcast cares about such matters. That the default to leave well enough alone isn't a statement of an inherently conservative position, but simply leaving space for the possibility that making this a thing could itself be doing more harm than good in either direction. That speaking up on a question that is perhaps well-intentioned but misguided in the very asking is to assent to play an absurd game that need not be played, a game in which one side insists that measurable harms can be undone with an act of historical erasure, and the other side insists that an act of historical erasure will enact measurable harms on them. A conclusion drawn not from a flawed premise, but from the ether, from nothing at all. A conclusion that both sides agree is definitely the case, not just without evidence, but in the face of evidence directly to the contrary, that allows them to continue living their lives despite all the things they don't know or have forgotten about, all the ways the universe has conspired to deprive them of themselves for countless millennia. But the school will be renamed, because enough people think it will do meaningful good, or at least no harm, and fewer people want to be seen raising a stink from what is, 
by default, the racist position. And the vast majority either can't be bothered to care or, like this podcast, think that even speaking up would be giving in to an absurdist, important conversation that has all the utility of very meaningfully agonizing over which way around a dead body you're going to step, paralyzed in deep thought in front of the rotting corpse as putrefaction sets in and the fluids start leaking towards your sneakers, where the simple answer is to step right over that dead body and leave well enough alone. Never mind that the school will now be named after the street to which it sits adjacent, a street that likely got its name from the cherry blossom trees that adorn the National Mall, trees that would not be there, gifted by Japan, but for the efforts of one dedicated woman, First Lady of the United States and her husband's closest advisor, Helen Heron Taft. Taft's husband, William Howard Taft, is largely regarded as an ineffectual and undistinguished president, but he also had some rather reprehensible views. Looking back on them with the benefit of modern moral clarity, Taft wrote in 1906 that there wasn't much of a problem with Jim Crow laws that disenfranchised the black vote because blacks weren't ready to use the vote intelligently yet. Anyway, quote, when a class of persons is so ignorant and so subject to oppression and misleading that they are merely political children, not having the mental stature of manhood, then it can hardly be said that their voice in the government secures any benefit to them. End quote. This attitude of paternalism and imperialism probably had little or even nothing to do with Taft's wife's advocacy to bring the cherry trees to Washington, D.C. from Japan, but it is, nevertheless, part of the whole story. And that story will now be told, whether aloud or just in the atmosphere of the place, in perpetuity on down through the generations, as a few hundred schoolchildren pass by the sign of their newly named school every day. Unless, of course, we all just leave well enough alone. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Changing it up on me. Lori's <laughs> here too. How you doing, Lori? I'm, 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 now I'm... Confused about Abe. Lori's confused about <laughs> Abe. Tonight is someday, February 13th. the 13th, 2023. It's a Monday night, the day after the Super Bowl, the day before Valentine's Day. By the time this episode posts, it will be Valentine's Day, a very important holiday uh, in our household, obviously. As uh, I'm sure anybody who knows Lori and I knows what a uh, uh, romantically inclined couple we are and always have been. Isn't that right, Lori? We got married on February 1st, which See? was two days after your birthday. And it used to be that we could lump all this shit together with the Super Bowl. But now we still we still do that. We still manage to do that. What does that have to do with Valentine's Day? Well, now we're roping Valentine's Day into the Super Bowl. I guess so. I made cake pops. We do this thing as a as a couple, as a way of celebrating Valentine's Day in as as romantic a way as possible. That uh, we've almost always end up having a random visitor staying in our house no on kidding. Valentine's Day, just to preclude even the possibility <laughs> that we will find ourselves alone. And with a romantic obligation uh, in one way or another to the other person. I feel like you're not being fair. This is this is something that's happened many, many, 
many years. My brother has come yeah, his a couple brother of came times. Twice. I think Andrew has been here on Valentine's Day before, but my other brother has been here. Generally, I for what purpose? Like for Super Bowl related stuff? Or who just... even knows? No, just it's just like Lori sees that Valentine's Day is coming up, and that's she's not like, what "Ah, happens. we better invite some <laughs> okay. people." Okay, uh, if that's what happens, <laughs> it's because I am a person who plans and. It's a free weekend as far as I know because I don't have any husbands planning me anything. So Lori's yeah. friend Nitty has come to visit us on multiple Valentine's I Days. I don't know that that's true. It is true. Okay. And, uh, multiple? Lori's friend Julia is coming tomorrow on Valentine's Day to help us celebrate. So uh, that's what we do around here on Valentine's Day. What do you do, Abe? I uh, <laughs> I think it's President's Day. No, I don't... Uh, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day, and so it's just like Tuesday for me. I don't have any yeah, kids or me anything. Too. Yeah. Super Bowl was yesterday. Abe, did you enjoy the game? Yes, I, I uh, went to go watch it with some friends. Uh, one of these friends that has like a eighty-inch TV. One of these monstrosities. Nice. It was great. But like the first thing that I saw was the field looked like shit. Like it looked like they had like a rodeo the night before, just like before the game even started. There's just a lot of lumps, just very lumpy field before the game started. And I'm hearing about all this money that they spent. So this is in Arizona. It's the, that fancy field that they drag like it out 2007 or 2008 that they built this stadium and they have the, it's on rollers. They right. can like roll the entire field out so that it gets some of that because what you want in the desert is to hit it. What you want with grass in general is to get it out into the desert sun and just pound it with a bunch of sun all the time and then roll it back inside, I guess. I don't know why they do that. Uh, but this has been – and I did, it took me a while to figure it out because they were talking about the field conditions. And at, at one point, Greg Olson, who was on the, on the, the, the color man – the 18. And by the way, we should Boy. let's start start with that. It's Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. They're now the Fox A squad because uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman right. got signed away for like that sucks uh, some uh, like multi million yeah. dollars per episode to go do Monday Night Football for ESPN, and so now it's Fox is left in this interregnum period before Tom Brady comes right. in and saves the day. It's not going to be any better. Yeah, but at least if it's Tom Brady, you'll know. Oh, well, here's the here, here these are the these must be the fucking dudes. Right. Even if he sucks at this, we know that Tom Brady is here. What you're saying, uh, Kevin uh, because... lacks uh, the gravitas of the other announcers. Well, I feel like we might as well kick this thing off, right? Well, Kevin with like Greg Olson, who's a fine, he was a right. fine player, and he's perfectly yeah. adequate at this job. You know, better than I mean, I don't know. I like Dan Diodorf. Is Greg Olson meaningfully better than <laughs> Dan Diodorf? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but but like he's Dan Diodorf, yeah. Dan Diodorf at the Super Bowl would be like, what is Dan doing? Is he filling in for somebody? Right. Uh, because like we've I mean, had these teams, like the, the, the consistency of the top tier of American football broadcasting over the last couple of generations is remarkable. Like right. back in the day, you had Pat Summerall and John Madden were the main dudes for yeah. a very long time. And then, of course, for the last 20 years or so, what have we had? We've had Al Michaels has been the guy, whether he was with John Madden before, and then when uh, Madden retired, we uh, became the Chris Collins Collinsworth yeah. and Al Michaels team over at NBC. And so when they were on the game, it's like, oh, this is the fucking this game. This is the we game, know right. This is an important game. Right. At yeah. Fox, it was Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for a very long time after after Madden left. And then Jim Nance. And yeah. Jim Nance has worked with Phil Simms for a very long time. And then you had, of course, uh, Tony Romo took over a few years ago. 
But those are the fucking, those are the dudes. Those are some combination of those dudes. That's the A-team. You know that you're on the right game. Right. And with Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, it's like, oh, here's a football game. We're here to, to do it. We're going we're gonna to talk to you about it for a while. I don't know how uh, the rotation works for Super Bowls, but, like, there's some sort of rotation, right? Fox gets it this year, then NBC, all the partners of the NFL get it. It would have probably benefited Kevin and Greg, although Greg is just kind of holding the seat for Tom. Uh, but if they had gotten a few years doing this, like as a, right to establish to, themselves right. as like that, that four twenty five slot on right. Fox afternoons, like well, these are the guys, right? Yeah. But basically, this is like literally the the Monday Night Football thing just happened, right? This was the very first year that right. I mean, even if it was Tarico, it would have been like, all right, well, yeah, right. Mike Tarico's here. Like he's been around, he's been in our living rooms for thirty fucking years at this point. Like yeah. we know the deal. But you know, do you think we're just bit benefited from a pretty good lineup like over the last thirty years of like well known names that kind of became big before we really started watching sports and now there's a little investment period. You you have to like allow these Kevin whatevers to can, you know, find their footing, and then you become familiar with them long enough to you'll know their little quirks, and then they'll become the established person. So, like, we're in this transition period, and it's just going to suck for a little bit. And also, yeah. I do think it's preferable to old geezers sticking around too long because Al Michaels, the wheels have come off, right? He's not been very good on those broadcasts that I see him on, what, the Amazon. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think I can't tell if he's good or not he because is. he just sits there and complains about the shitty oh, game. Oh, I like him. Like, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it because he's being honest about how shitty the game is. No, the, the uh, only so the that. only standard that I have. You can say anything else around the game, but like if you lose track of the game, like yeah. he does that so often. When the now. game's boring. He doesn't it's easy know. to lose track of. But it was always boring. But like, I don't know. Uh, again, how they do these assignments, but I don't know why Terry Bradshaw is the guy you want doing the, you know, the ceremonial stuff that they have Jim right. Nance doing it on CBS. Why can't Kevin, what's his face, take the stairs or the elevator and do that? Because, like, you don't want to, it just it seems kind of amateurish to have Terry Bradshaw, who's a funny, jovial guy, but, like, it, it was just weird having him there. Yeah. TNT doesn't send Charles Barkley yeah, down. That to, would be uh, funny, though. But yeah, that's to hand the trophy over at the NBA Finals. <laughs> Although, again, yeah, I think it would be fun. It right. would be good. Right. Uh, Terry but, getting up there and just calling Andy Reid fat the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> like waddle over here. Big guy. Let me get the big guy in here. Come on, waddle over here. <laughs> Although, yeah, by the way, weird. he is a ridiculously good head coach, Hall of Fame coach. Like, that so many so good. pod so shots good. of him like eating cheeseburgers or like he just won a fucking Super Bowl. Like you can't give him like two seconds to take that well, in. It's, it's also, that also, whole conversation last week. We're just worried about him. Right, Terry it's, Bradshaw is not exactly uh, a slim dude. Terry Bradshaw is <laughs> like, significantly older kettle. and also almost as fat as Andy Reid. I, I do think if people like. They think of themselves as they used to be. Like Terry Bradshaw probably doesn't identify as a fat guy, right? Yeah. And, and, and Andy Reid has always been, great. right? So he's probably doing that weird math. He's thinking of himself as a 30-year-old Terry. And I go, you fat fuck, waddle over here. Let's do this interview. Right. And then he himself, you know. Anyway, we got off on Greg Olson. What were we even talking about before Just that? the game. I think nothing. I think nothing game. is what we were talking about. Oh, I remember why I brought up Greg Olson. The general sort of not living up to the moment commentator crew aside, it was a, it was a very – Terrific game, obviously. The 
Lots of points. Very much a back and forth yeah. affair. Lots of points were scored. And as you're talking about the field, Greg Olson says something in the middle of this game about how the players keep slipping a lot. And maybe it has something to do with all of this paint that they have on the field. Like, what what is the NFL doing putting uh, 40 yards worth of paint in the yeah. middle of the field in, in a freshly painted logo when clearly it's having – it's like, Greg – do you, do you have any idea who's signing your checks? Right. You, you cannot talk about how shit the shitty NFL decisions uh, during this broadcast, you fool. But yeah. maybe he knows that uh, the writing's on the wall with Brady coming in next year. And then Bradshaw actually said something about it in the halftime show as well, where he's like, what is going on with this field? Like, it seems like it's a mess. The NFL, for some reason, they painted this whole field, and this field is slippery, and I don't quite understand that. But this is the field that, like we said, they, they roll it out to get it some sun and water, and then they roll it back in. Right. But by the way, this is the same field, and I, I was looking it up while we were watching the game because I had this very vague memory of, like, people have complained about this field before. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain of it. And, of course, I don't have any direct memories of this. So I'm looking on my phone, and the, the Super Bowl between Marshawn the, the Marshawn Lynch should have gotten the handoff oh, play, right. but instead yeah. Yeah. Russell Wilson Throw throws an interception at mm -hmm. the two-yard line, and the Patriots win there. People were complaining about that game. Uh, about the field during that game. And also you go back and I found like one little sentence about the 2008 Super Bowl between the Giants and the Patriots. And there was some complaints about the field as far back as then. And then also earlier in the year, apparently, uh, when the Chiefs played the Cardinals or somebody played the card. I think it was the Chiefs. The guy on the TV said it was the Chiefs. Yeah, played the Cardinals earlier. They were complaining about the field. So this is like an ongoing issue. Uh, apparently for the 2015 game, the issue was that it looked like shit, and so they painted the whole thing. Oh. And so, like, not just the logo was painted, but they painted it green to make it look good because otherwise it uh, was going to look bad on the television. Oh, wow. You know, what's odd about this Super Bowl uh, – with the, this grass thing is they said that uh, they went out of their way. This is not like the regular season grass that the Cardinals use. They like paid, I saw some figure, $800,000 or whatever to prep this new field. Yeah, they paid field. some huge amount of money right. to make a whole new turf. And and uh, one of the people behind it, there were some tweets uh, where they were trying to, uh, getting ahead of the Super Bowl, like trying to do a victory lap about the great job that they did and that didn't work out for them. But it's weird how... Artificial turf, ACL tear, right? Like, you know, there's all these stories where, and, and like the women's soccer uh, team was saying, uh, you know, we shouldn't be playing in these uh, fields because of the dangers involved with it. There's been some ACL injuries in the NFL because some stadiums still have that artificial turf. So you're thinking, okay, artificial turf, bad. Here you got Arizona. They have this goofy little contraption that, I mean, to a layperson, it sounds like, oh, okay. You know, slide it over, get as much sun as you can, control it, and then move it back in. It looks like real grass. They, they, got, they put their best people on it or whatever. And the result is still like a slippery, shitty kind of uh, experience. And to that point, like I wonder if that's why it was such a high-scoring game because like these two teams were like very good pass-rushing teams, right? And I think neither of them got a sack, right? I mean, there was some pressure, no but sacks. neither team got some a pressure sack. And a, an important, an important forced fumble in the backfield on the quarterback, certainly. Right. Yeah, there was that. Uh, but I, I wonder what impact it had because there was uh, a, a shot of like a bunch of cleats, and I don't know which team switched out cleats. They were changing their shoes. Yeah, they were trying to get it to. I don't know. You think this sort of stuff would be like. You know, the teams know in advance the condition of the field is instead of like the day of, like, oh, 
you know, we need longer cleats or something. Like, it was just kind of odd how they didn't have that planned out uh, going into Super Bowl Sunday. Very odd. But the game was entertaining. Uh, the uh, very yeah, they gotta that stop. Was finally, they, a good they game. gotta stop doing it in Arizona if this is a recurring issue. Like at multiple Super Bowls and through the regular season, like you just gotta stop having the game there. Right. I get that the climate is good, and I guess they have a relationship with the city where they are. The city just lets them come in and shut everything the fuck down. There was actually an interesting Supreme Court case or Arizona Supreme Court anyway case about this. About what uh, a recent case with re- with re- with regard to. The NFL coming in and saying that uh, this is a no-go zone for free speech, basically. Okay. And, like, not allowing businesses to put up signage or or sell advertisements on their own buildings that they own because this they don't want to conflict with the NFL's advertising partners. And, that, and because this is happening in Glendale, but there's also some events happening 30 miles away in Tucson or whatever the fuck, Phoenix, whatever the other nearby yeah. Arizona city is. One of them. Forgive my ignorance about Arizona geography, but because the NFL can come in and say, we're the big 800-pound gorilla, we're going to say that this entire corridor, like 40 square miles, is you're not allowed to do anything except what we say you're allowed to do. And eventually this made its way to the Arizona Supreme. I'll put a link in the show note for the stories. It's interesting enough. And uh, eventually this got struck down. This NFL, like, no-fly zone is is sort of blatantly illegal, and it just took somebody uh, willing to challenge it to stand up to these assholes. But anyway, a, a terrific game, as you guys are saying. Gets out to a, a very quick start with both teams opening with touchdowns. I felt good because I, I, I was going to make money. I had the over oh, in the first half. The over <laughs> for both teams in the first half. Uh, anyway, it was a good day for betting. But it was a fun game, and uh, nothing to complain about if you... Uh, are a disinterested party, I don't think, except perhaps the end. Is there, do we have so, any right to the bitch about that last call? I mean, it was kind of like a hold, but like it's it's weird. It's like kind of like pulling somebody over like on the highway when everybody's going the same speed, but it's like over the limit. It's like, should you enforce it? But like it was a never hold, mind right? the fact. Never mind the fact that there were multiple plays and you could go back and obviously you can sort of go back and find penalties on every single play in football. But this was, I believe it was the first defensive holding call of the night. And the Eagles specifically had been holding like crazy on every single play, (laughs) like every, especially on third down. And like, I'm watching that first half and I'm like, they eventually they, they're the Eagles are going to force them by virtue of the fact that obvious that every single defensive back is holding on every single play on third and long. Eventually they're going to give them one. And once they give them one, they will give them a few more. But for some reason they're, they seem not interested whatsoever in breaking the seal on the defensive holding because it, it wasn't like blatant PI. It was it was what the Georgia secondary does like crazy. Right. It's like I dare you to call this all fucking game. Right. Uh, we're going to commit the penalty every single play, and you're not going to throw the flag on every single play. And so until you start doing it, we're just going to hold the whole night. And that was the case throughout. But isn't there also? I mean. I'm sure this is across different sports, but like there's like this like an understanding between the players and the refs, like what they're gonna call, like and you kind of they kind of set the expectations of like we'll let the ticky tacky stuff slide, so I'm not calling anything on that, anything more flagrant, I'll, I'll call it, and so like players 
understanding that will continue to do the what they understand to be the line, like right below the line. So like maybe this player was thinking, okay, little little grab, little you know, as long as it's not flagrant, they've been letting it go all night. Right. They're definitely gonna. They're not gonna call it now. And I think, in fact, um, after the game, that player—I don't know his name—but uh, he basically copped to it, and he's like, "Yeah, he was holding, but like he was like, I was doing that all night, and that wasn't an issue." So, like, maybe right. that could be another issue they can address. It's like if you give a, if you set a a standard for like uh, how you're gonna call plays, don't then like two minutes before the game is over change because then. Players are kind of playing off of what you're doing. Like, you know, if, right. if you let them right. think they didn't slide. Call offensive holding. They didn't call any offensive holding in the entire game either, I don't think. Maybe once I remember an offensive holding call. Right. But even that might be wrong. Actually, you know, uh, on that point, were there a lot of there weren't a lot of penalties in this game. No, it was a very clean game. It was a good game. And, and it's not like there wasn't offensive holding either, right? Like, right. There's a, there's a freeze frame of Indomitian Sue shoving his face right into the guy's face, and he gets called for that. But at the time that that's happening, he's very clearly being held yeah. by the offensive <laughs> player. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. If, 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 so for all of the bitching that Philadelphia people are going to do about this ticky-tack call going against them and making it virtually impossible for – uh, them to even have a chance to come back with uh, what would have been like a minute 50 left on the clock yeah. instead of the 10 seconds that they were left with. Uh, at the same time that they're going to bitch about that, because, I mean, of course, Philadelphia people find something to bitch about no matter what, but the Chiefs would be just as justified, if not more so, to complain about the lack of holding calls throughout the entire game. Yeah. Like in that same exact vein. So I don't like to me, like it's not like you were robbed. This was just the way that they called this game. And then in a, in a moment you did something too obvious where, and I think part of the reason that I don't know, I'm not inside the ref's head, but the fact that there was nobody else on that side of the field and that when you, when you look at the hold as it's happening, it's preventing the offensive player from going to a wide right. open area of right. the field where the ball eventually ends up. Right. Right. So the fact that Mahomes saw it, because Mahomes, as soon as he lets go of the ball, he's pointing at it like right. somebody better throw that fucking flag. Right. You definitely saw that hold. Right? right. Because it's almost like he chose to throw it in that direction. Not because he thought the catch was going to be made, which it never was. Right. There was nobody was ever within reasonable distance of it. But because he was trying to draw attention to the fact that if I throw this ball and this guy's hand was on my guy's jersey, yeah. they're that much more likely right. to throw the flag. And I think that's that. If if there was any gamesmanship going on there in that moment, it was Mahomes deciding to throw a ball that he knew was uncatchable, and then immediately pointing at the obvious fact. Right, and and, and holding, you know, in that situation. The, the fact that it was uncatchable wouldn't have played a role, and, and it didn't play a role, uh, and, and they right. called it. W one thing that stood out to me, I, 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 there are some stats that backed me up, but just watching the game, it just the Philadelphia defense just totally collapsed. Like, I don't know what happened. It wasn't, I mean, the, the Chiefs were scoring in the first half too, right? But the way that they were scoring in the second half was remarkable. There were, I think, two touchdowns that were just walk-ins. Like, there's, like, this weird, we're going to pretend we're going to run this way, and then you're going to, the defender's going to think, oh, I'll see you on the other side of the pile, and then the oh, Chiefs guy so comes good. back. I know, I know that it's so it's so corny to be the layman breaking down tape on a podcast, right. of course, <laughs> but Andy Reid's call, uh, play calls, it's like he knew exactly, like, the, the fact that he had he'd ingested every all of the Philadelphia tendencies, right? Yeah. So he knows if he sends the, the far wide out in motion back towards 
the line of scrimmage t- towards the ball, right. then what's going to happen is they're going to switch and the other guy is going to start running in. So the guy on the outside guards the guy on the inside and the guy who was on the inside runs towards the middle yeah. in the hopes that he's going to end up with the motion man. But then the ball gets snapped and the other guy just turns around and goes into the completely empty field in order to catch a wide open pass. It was an absolute right. thing of beauty. I think they did it twice. Yeah, they, I think they did the exact same thing twice. Yeah, and they did it twice and to to the point of how easy things appeared just from watching it, there was like an ESPN article today and it, it states the following. The Chiefs converted 93.8 of their first downs into another first down or touchdown in the second half. The one time that they didn't convert first on first is when that McKinnon guy just slid like he, right. he you know it was like a goal line basically he just slid so he wouldn't score too early but they just were able just with ease I don't know what happened to the defense I don't know if they were mesmerized by Rihanna or what I don't know what happened that's what's been frustrating about this Chiefs team for years now which is that Basically, since Mahomes became Patrick Mahomes and this and this team won its first title, it, you watch these games and you watch a Chiefs game and they can look like this completely unstoppable right. for stretches at a time for for a whole half and then it just doesn't work for a while. Yeah, and it's like there doesn't appear to be any explanation why because Andy Reid is a very clearly a brilliant play caller. Yes, like he fully understands the offensive game and like. And he's able to deploy it seemingly at will. It's like, well, why don't you just do the thing that works constantly all the time? Because it looks utterly unstoppable. Right, right. And to be fair to the to the Eagles, it was like watching Alabama play Vanderbilt oh my half yeah. the fucking yeah. time. Like there, there was such an inevitability to these drives. Not, not in the way that it's like we're going to bang off 20 yards here, 20 yards, 20 it yards. It was like the longest drive in Super Bowl history or something in number of plays and also time of possession. Yeah, yeah it just it, – there was just absolutely no stopping them. And even – even when they were getting like they got they had one three and out i think it was in the fourth quarter yeah by the time the chiefs finally got a three and out uh and even then it was like well we don't think that's going to happen again like my thought at the end there when mahomes threw that pass and i didn't see the flag right away and they were going to kick a field goal with 2 minutes to go i was like well the the only question is whether or not the eagles end up scoring a touchdown here or if they are smart and end up only kicking the field goal with like zero seconds on the clock because you give Mahomes anything like you give Mahomes 15 seconds. And I fully expect that he's going to put his team in a position to win, but like giving the Eagles, the ball there, given how many long throws they had hit, they hit like, it seemed like they hit like three or four 40 yeah. yard plays just to, uh, just to the Alabama kid. Right. Uh, Devontae, Devontae, yeah. uh, and that, Devontae I, I Smith. Brown got one too, but yeah, yeah. Devontae, AJ Brown yeah. had a couple. In it. It's so funny watching those two dudes stand next to each other. By the way, because <laughs> AJ, AJ Brown is like this fucking huge man yeah. of a of a football player. Just he's he's built like uh, he's like a bigger Julio Jones, like just like just, right, like a huge Julio yeah, Jones who's already sort of a, a ripped kind of dude, right? And meanwhile, Devontae Smith looks like a sixteen-year-old. Is out he there. 165 like, pounds? Maybe like how? Maybe. I, I, I don't think he's very he, 
And he even has sort of like relative to the rest of his body, he's sort of wide shouldered. Not compared to other players out there, but compared to himself, he has sort of broad shoulders. But then you look at him from about the stomach down and there's just nothing there. He's walking around on legs that don't even have defined calves. Like there's just there's there's just sticks. He's like a he's like a small Randy Moss. It's bizarre to look at. You know, other than the fumble, like Hertz played ridiculously well for a guy. He was so good. Like Jalen Hurts is great, and everyone needs to take back all the mean things they've said about him. No, fuck that. Fuck Jalen Hurts and his <laughs> Alabama ass and his Philadelphia Eagles ass. No, and that is he's, terrible. Just stop it. He's nice. Right. I mean, it, yeah. It, it does suck that he on that last play. Did he get the ball get tipped because? He clearly can throw the ball very far, and that ball did not travel so, very far. Uh, first of all, I disagree. It's not clear that he can throw the ball very far. All of his four, his forty yard completions were max effort underthrown balls. Like the every time that because uh, both both AJ Brown and Devontae Smith had to adjust to come back to the ball. The reason that they didn't score a touchdown on that one was because Devontae Smith had to stop and like stutter step and ended up falling out of bounds instead of scoring the touchdown, even though there's nobody within 10 yards of him, right? Right. So like this is a, a recurring problem with him throughout this game is even though they're hitting these long throws, he is having to put absolute full max effort into it and it's not getting as far as it needs to go. And I thought at the end of the game with that what happened with that uh hail mary play is like they just outran the (laughs) totality of how far he can throw but tight end right but they hey guys guys come back but i can't throw it that far in that situation i mean there's no opportunity to catch and attempt a a game tying field goal right basically the receivers have to go far right unless you want to do some sort of goofy you need a hook hook and lateral lateral play you can't yeah yeah you need need but that's the thing this is a for a team that an Eagles team that is as good at the quarterback sneak on the the third and short and, and the boy, fourth are and they? short, it's like a rugby scrum. They just he, clear everybody. It's every insane. Time. It's, it's every time, and they would hit. They hit Jalen Hurts behind the line of scrimmage a couple of times on these end one or less plays, and then the pile moved three right. yards anyway. Right. Like it didn't matter where they actually made contact with Hertz and the rest of the pile. The entire pile just right. keeps moving. It's yeah, amazing. It's, yeah. It, again, it it feels inevitable. Right. They, like there's something about the way when that offense gets going, and it's not something that I'd seen before. Only watching this team three or four times, like they had not been this impressive as they were in this game, like in other wins. And this is and this ends up being one that they lost, yeah, and, and, which has got to be just it, devastating. It's it's got to suck. What the what drugs are they giving Pat Mahomes? Like, this guy injured. Oh, my Ego. God. I can't Ego. play. He comes back, and it's if nothing happened. I mean, he's hobbling, so you can kind of still see he's injured. But, like, it's remarkable how they just kind of, like, numb, fuck off pain. We'll deal with you tomorrow. Narcissism. Just weird narcissism. He's got to be. I mean, it's weird to say he's the most unathletic looking <laughs> athletic he guy. He's tubby. His gait but is like, very. Uh, uh, Compared to um, even like 350 pound linemen, yeah. he seems wildly unathletic yeah. because the the big fat dudes move with grace and agility and and sort of the uh, balletic beauty yeah. even like these big fucking <laughs> tubs of lards. The way that they get around other giant tubs of lards right. is a it's a it's a it, the the grace and beauty of it is unmatched. And then you watched Pat Mahomes just try to like move, yeah. and it's like what well, that he shouldn't work. Like Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> after he already played for 20 years right. like he just it looks like everything 
kind of tired. He's, he but he, really what's funny, he's always looked that way, even when he's not injured. It's an inc- right. he's an incredibly non graceful. Yeah, he's very elegant Dis- in his. Uh, despite his doing some like achieving incredible feats of athleticism on the field without actually being a very athletic person, it's bizarre to watch. It's like the, the, he has this weird thing where it's just a brain and an arm, and he's able to work those two things in perfect harmony, yeah. and everything else is like, what are we even doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I but think it's fun uh, to watch, he's broken all of those those goofy curses or these streaks, rather, where no one who is the leader in touchdowns or yards ever actually wins a Super Bowl because usually those come from shittier teams. And he broke that. Then, like the MVP winning the the Super Bowl, like there's a lot of goofy stuff that he just kind of accomplished with his win. And this is a nice little stretch run these last like five years. I mean, what five AFC titles, three Super Bowl appearances, two of them. One uh, a bunch of doubters. There were a bunch of people saying they couldn't do it. Yeah, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> oh my God. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's drinking Kirby juice. Is just hanging out with Kirby Smart and the rest of the Georgia staff, just talking about how disrespectful. Like nobody. We thought we were going to go eight and five. This has yeah, gone that, on to comical levels. I mean, every team now, no one believes you. Even though you are like a, an amazing, you have Pat Mahomes. Or if you're Georgia, you have like all these players. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's it's like, do you know what you sound like when you say that? You're the Chiefs. You guys are always here. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Very annoying. But I guess you need that juice, right? You know, the motivation, all this bulletin board Apparently, shit that they say. Yeah. Yeah. Although you know, you you hear the the story of the the locker room chat that they had because they have 30 minutes to to try to figure things out there, and it's not. It doesn't seem like it's uh, nobody respects us kind of thing. It's just your typical like locker room bullshit. Like, oh come on guys, yeah. we're gonna do it. Get out there, <laughs> fuck them up. Like it's just that sort of thing. But like, like why does it work? Like they were down by ten points at halftime, and they they just they came out and were completely unstoppable after that point. It was great. I'm just I'm mostly ashamed of myself for not doubling down on my bet because I I bet the Chiefs straight up to win at the start of the game, and they were down by ten, and obviously at halftime I had. Very favorable odds right. that the the Eagles were were obviously going to win this game according to Vegas, and I failed to bet more on this game because I didn't want to throw bad money after good or bad money after bad or whatever the formulation yeah. there is supposed to be. Uh, anyway, anything else to say about the the product on the field between the the lines? There was the the doink. Like it would have been funny. I mean, I'm glad that uh, you know it's fine if Kansas City won. I didn't have a rooting interest, but like. It was fine that Kansas won, but uh, it would have been funny if, like, with this field issue, if the kicker for Kansas City just ate it on that gimme go-ahead field goal. But you could still blame that on the field, though. Yeah. But it would I mean, I would, I would blame it. I would blame it on the on the on Georgia Tech because he is a former Tech, <laughs> and he he fucked Georgia in a in a game in Athens that I'm still sore about many years later. So fuck that guy. I'm glad that he doinked in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I'm disappointed that he gets all this credit at the end of this game for uh I didn't get that much credit. Yeah. The only other I think I already said it, but like the only thing I would say about this Eagles team and not having everything quite figured out is like why doesn't Nick Sir- Nick Sirianni apparently has like uh, 15 different versions of the quarterback sneak that's all basically the same thing they've perfected it they practice it in every fucking day how do you not have an established 
we're on the 25 yard line and we need six points here or the world's going to end play. How can the play just be everybody go run as far as you can? And Oh, by the way, you outran minds like you. Yeah. Like how do you not have a fucking play or, or two or three plays that are like, this is what we do when, uh, we're dead anyway, and this is what the plan is going. Right, to be. you got to have something. That and plan- that garbage at the end is not okay. Do you think? I don't of know. Of course, the best laid plans of uh, mice and Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, things can go uh, quite spectacularly awry, but still, like you, you have to have a plan. I don't know uh, who backs hurts up or whatever, but if they had a stronger arm, would that plan? You think that would involve like, hey, hurts, fuck off? And can you no, imagine? You don't bench Jalen Hurts. That hurts his feelings. <laughs> they bring in, they bring in Vince Young instead of instead of Jalen Hurts, and Vin, old dopey Vince just trots onto the field and wins the Super Bowl. And Jalen Hurts has got like again, uh. like you just got to be looking around, going, come on. That would have been great. Anyway, but yeah. Good game, and I, I, I'm sympathetic to the idea that it was a disappointing ending. I would have preferred an actual play and, and, and like a chance for them to have a minute and a half to play with to potentially tie or go ahead. Uh, so it, it, it felt a little bit the load had been blown. It was fine. Uh, what did you think of the, of the halftime entertainment, Abe? So uh, as I was saying earlier, I, I was watching this with friends at, at one of our friends' place, uh, and so it was a good good number like eight ten people there uh and during the game half of the people don't seem to care they're all just kind of meandering about the house but uh for the halftime show there was a good sh- yeah most of the people were there watching and as the rihanna song we were trying to guess like what well, was gonna be her first whatever song and i had to look up her songs because i forgot right. most of them uh i mean i know the songs i just the names um and she looked you know, uh, not a lot of uh, like movement. You know, very stationary, and like there's just like this little okay. Um, I guess she's still because she just gave birth, I guess, or whatever. Like it never occurred to me that she was actually pregnant. Like watching it, but you know, in retrospect, how do the both of you know what Rihanna's uterus has so done lately? I will tell you the reason that I know Rihanna was pregnant in the recent past is because I am a devoted <laughs> listener to uh, Abe's other podcast, The Biffler. Uh, yeah, okay. that's how where, I know about it because I'm a devoted Where a certain co-host. other co-host yeah. on The Biffler goes on at some length about who Rihanna permitted yeah, he did not approve. to inseminate yeah. her with great disgust he just he goes on at at great length all of the time about how dare she allow the gentleman who did the deed to have done the deed to her and so that's how i knew that she had been pregnant and i saw her and i was like wow she in my head i was like well she must have like only just had this baby because she still looks like she looks pregnant could she be pregnant again or is she just not quite lost the you know because some people no matter how much money you have it takes huh. it's a, it's a misogynistic thing to demand that, that somebody bounce back from just having had a baby the way, to their though, right? previous I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, i was watching i was like ah, i think she's pregnant like there's a belly under there and she's keeping all her clothes on which is sort of unusual for this sort of uh, performance at least in years past usually these uh, performers they they get War considerably more disrobed of that nature yeah right i was interested i mean it was fine i was i was i was impressed at the very least by the commitment to the single artist and the single look and not drowning it in rigmarole and right. like uh, special guest appearances and 
and everything else that has come to be like the staple of the Super Bowl halftime experience, which I think is generally sort of lame. I, I much prefer the sort of older model where like this is the who and the who is just going to play a five or six song set and it's the who they've been doing this for 40 fucking years and it's going to be awesome and like if you like the who great and if not then go get to the bathroom or go get 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 yourself some nachos or something uh like the rolling stones did this like they they just put on a rolling stone show for a little while yeah a bunch of accidents right prince did it there are examples but generally that has been in the the rock segment of the Super Bowl halftime show, these pop acts and the hip hop acts generally have a medley. They just keep piling in the new acts, just keep throwing uh, artists at the wall and see what sticks. Even Lady Gaga, who I don't think had any guests, like went through like six different wardrobe changes right. in 13 right. minutes. Like, and, and it was all crazy. Like, but this was that's just, just like, that's her thing. Sure. But this was, we're just going to, we're going to do the dozen songs that Rihanna, you you'll recognize if you're a normal minus the best one. If you're a normal pop culture person, you will hear at least like five or six songs that you've heard before. You might have even known it was Rihanna, but like you'll recognize them. And you certainly can't name any of them. The except Umbrella if one, me. you know, some, some of the songs. Umbrella, right? Well, they please, you umbrella. please don't stop the music. Yeah. It's the best one. Yeah. And disturb And then you bring out Michael Jackson. Right. Obviously, I could have done the show better, is what I'm saying. I if that, I was producing it, I think you would have had. Dead. Please don't stop the music. <laughs> going into Michael Jackson, you're welcome. What's weird is that she uh, uh, played, I think, a song that Kanye West was in there. And I'm like, oh, is Kanye going to yeah. show up? What, what's she happening? Played, she played two Kanye songs, I believe, back to back. And there was some upset about that, but extremely minimal upset, yeah. it must be said. I was further mystified because watching her, and I didn't, I don't know, I don't follow Rihanna. I don't, I don't I'm not a fan. I, I don't care about her music. I think that her music fits neatly into my complaints about 21st century pop music in general which is that it's designed it is boring it's designed to be entirely forgettable it's not it's not really meant to make specific for one song to make a specific artistic right. statement in some way or even not even that like even just to be memorable even to be something that's like uh, instantly recognizable and and an earworm that you can't get out of your head for three or four days that's just not what we do anymore but it's like, like a and, and, bubble gum right like it has the same effect where it's just like a very short-term kind of thing and then it's now nothing and you move on sort of it, it but didn't it's, used to be as bad it's also we've talked about this before. yeah we've talked about it before with regards to like drake like i can't name drake songs right. like but the point is not to be able to name drake's songs or taylor swift songs are there freaks who like love the shit out of taylor swift and drake and they know their whole catalog and they're very devoted in their fandom to to knowing everything about it yes absolutely my point is simply that the casual pop music observer knows half a dozen in sync songs and knows knows the hooks knows the choruses knows a little bit about them and who those people were in a way that we simply don't anymore that the the pop music especially in the drake taylor swift rihanna to a lesser extent, Beyonce model. New Rihanna, because it, old Rihanna umbrella, you knew. Please don't stop the music, you knew. But it, So it's now. It's She's now. been around it's, long enough it, to have become it's about, boring. It's about personal branding. It's about cultiv- cultivating Instagram followings. It's about vibes, for lack of a better word. Bitch better like, have my money is pretty good, though. It, it's just, a, it's a whole... The whole mode of consuming pop culture has shifted from like the importance of the individual song to 
like again, I don't have a better word for it, so I'll just go with the the word that's currently in the parlance, which is vibes. Like it's you're just trying to create right. a general feeling that uh, your fan base identifies with you, and like uh, you don't even you don't love the music, you worship the individual. Like the the the, the beehive thing right. is about like weird deference to the individual, and it's there's like a, a cult way of personality that, thing. I mean, but that's right, you, right? it is. It's a total cult yeah. of personality thing, and Rihanna has the same thing. Where she's not, uh, she's barely, she hasn't made music in seven years, yeah. right? Like she, she has this this whole other makeup empire. Oh, she's like, making that, a lot of money sells. with that, right? She's a multi multi billionaire, and it in one way it's it's bizarre to me the way that the sort of because the of course the national pop culture critical audience, the NPR class, the people who write the pop culture columns at the New York Times and at at the various like Vox and all the, all the various pop culture websites that are out right now are perfectly happy to sort of lay down at the feet of Rihanna and and worship her brilliance in a way that surprises me given her the relative amount of cultural power that she has and not just cultural power but actual power she's worth a billion and a half fucking dollars yeah. and there's no there's no instinct whatsoever to hold her to account in the way that there would be for anyone else with that much capital at their disposal and maybe that maybe that's a silly thing to complain about but it's all a long way of getting around to this idea that i didn't realize part of like rihanna's brand apparently is this like i don't give a fuck attitude like this this like i'm just here i'm doing what i'm doing and the fact that you're there is of very little right. interest to me right, right? like <laughs> and she exudes that in her performance and that was like her look the whole time was like this, I'm just up here doing what I'm doing. Uh, uh, if you're here enjoying it, I right. guess that's fine. But, like, I don't fucking care. Right. And this is a quote from the, the Times write-up about it. Rihanna hasn't released an album since Anti in 2016, and many in her fervent fan base took her willingness to perform at the Super Bowl this year as a sign that her return to music might be imminent. Perhaps she would announce a new single or album or maybe a tour. Instead, she used one of pop music's biggest stages to assert that despite all of that collective anticipation, she had other things to focus on, a private life to return to. So if her actual onstage delivery had been slightly weary, well... There were more important things to focus on. In 13 minutes, Rihanna casually performed snippets of 12 hits, universally known songs. Uh, I will dispute the categorization <laughs> that those were all universally known, but whatever. That don't require much in the way of fluffing or bombast. The closest she came to frisian or to sass, to authority, to verve, came a little after the halfway point of the set. They're basically making a virtue out of her disinterest in right. even being up there which is a very it's a very weird thing to me that i it, that is becoming more prominent in the culture and it i've rarely seen it given voice in so clear a way as this new york times write-up about the rihanna performance which is that they have identified her unwillingness to care or even to bother putting on to, to dance for the man or something right, right? Uh, as some sort of virtue which is a weird thing to find admirable in a person who's made a, a billion and a half dollars as an entertainer and it's not something that you would have thought 
And, and by the way, who has sold out in a way that she insisted she would never sell out just a few short years ago when she said that she turned down an opportunity to perform at the Super Bowl because why would she be giving any of her name to an institution that treated Colin Kaepernick the way that they did? Oh, uh, she said uh, an that? An institution that oh. is... Yeah, so these are, this is what she said back in 2017, I think. So, like, why would she have anything to do with that? And now she has nothing to say about that. And, and then she gets up there, and, and, and she does her makeup ad in the middle of her fucking thing, and it's the closest that she gets to exuding any sort of personality, and it's just a way to uh, nod towards her makeup empire. Right. And so it's a weird thing to me to admire someone's ambivalence about being on this stage after like the thing that the sport is like what sport is is a it's a metaphor for all of the hard work that you can do to achieve the unachievable right, right? like and i know that you like to dump on on michael jordan because of the the rage rage hate 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 rage 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 <laughs> win 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 thing but like that's what we admire in our athletes is absolute tenacity to go after the thing that you want to go after and here in the pop culture write up about it it's just uh, isn't it cool that she doesn't fucking care so so just a couple of things first maybe uh, the end racism placard uh, satisfied her enough to uh change her tune who knows um also the way that i saw yesterday i mean she is pregnant and she her uh, she was limited in movement because of that she didn't want to take any stupid unnecessary risk right i mean even though she's like on this contraption so my takeaway wasn't like oh i don't care to be here the whole is it came across as like hey i mean this is a very noteworthy thing like she's performing at the super bowl without an album to promote pregnant right never happened before likely won't happen again right it's just kind of like a look at me i this is my stature and it's all great and i didn't she, if she's aloof <laughs> maybe i haven't noticed that i don't listen to her music that much but like she seemed like she was somewhat into it right i mean they put on a pretty good production I'll read another quote from this piece. She treated it like many people approach their professional obligations when their personal life is calling. Dutiful, lightly enthused, a little exhausted, looking to work the angles ever so slightly. The queen of nonchalance, Rihanna first appeared Sunday night on a stage floating above the 50-yard line, singing, Bitch Better Have My Money. Anyway, I don't want to read the whole thing. But it's just that, that one thing about, like, She's dutiful and lightly enthused and a little exhausted. Like there's virtue in this space of, look, I do all of the work. You don't understand all of the work that I do just to show up. So why would I bother being a tryhard in this moment? Here I am. Here, Just being here is enough work. You don't get to expect anything else out of me. And that's a, to me, that is a, a very strange thing to glorify. Right. And it's similar to the way that they glorified uh, Simone Biles for pulling out of the Olympics. It's similar to the way that they glorified the tennis player for uh, not being a tennis player anymore, but still being the most highly paid tennis player on the fucking planet right. as far as uh, uh, women go with what's but her what's name. The, okay, what so other women are being glorified? I mean, say what you will about Beyonce. At least she gets out there and tries, right? Okay, right? So like, I don't fucking, I don't, I don't, I don't care about Beyonce's music at all. But I recognize that she's getting out there and she's like doing the work to try to create something that's interesting. And she expects she she is bringing enough to the table that if I want to engage with it, I expect to have to bring something to the table as well. And that's all I'm saying no. is that uh, uh, to me, that's what an artist does. And nonchalance and ambivalence is not something that all an right, artist. So that, that, like, I don't, I don't, I don't 
don't respect ambivalence in my rock stars. That's weird. But to a me. lot of a lot of musicians affect that kind of too cool for school nonsense, right? And I guess people like it in some cases. But going back to this specific case. What does trying look like when you're pregnant in her situation? Like, what was she going? Was she supposed to like do a breakdown? Right, right. Like, no, I mean, I'm just I'm having I'm having this conversation with the writer right, of this no, no, article. But what I'm, I'm saying not, is, I'm, I, the, the rest of that would would make sense to me if there was like an extra gear she could have gone to. I mean, I guess you could say she should have declined to do the Super Bowl in this round and come back a couple of years from now or whatever and put on a different show. But like, this is the path she chose and. I don't know if she could have, I don't know what more effort would have looked like, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that I demand more effort. I think it was a fine Super Bowl halftime appearance. It was visually interesting enough to look at. The floating stages were cool. Yeah, that, those were cool. yeah and that, like whatever. Like I didn't need anything more out of it. It was it, like in a, an important way. It's not for me. This music doesn't mean anything right. to me. And I remain surprised when this music means anything to anyone <laughs> because I like and like it's a mistake in the way that I think about what music ought to do for a person a lot of the time. Which is not to say that somebody can't care about it a great deal. And I recognize that, and that's my way of like right. uh, trying to broaden my horizons. But all of that aside, the fact that it, then in the culture this gets elevated as somehow a great achievement, yeah. her not caring is a great achievement. That's what's interesting to me in terms of the, uh, the cultural criticism of the moment. And it has little to do with what actually what happened on the stage and more to do with what the reaction was. I think we've talked about this before, but like uh, remember uh – the Q rating where like, you know, how familiar is somebody really? Like, you know, how universal right. is their appeal? Like, do you know the Pope? You know, I'm sure everybody knows who the Pope is, right? Uh, pretty high Q rating. And then somebody else, like some TikTok person, maybe very popular in a ver very small segment, but not well known to anyone else. Like the next 10 to 20 years of Super Bowl halftime shows, right? The ever-shrinking pool of of like musicians that meet that qualification, like enough people know because the Super Bowl is this weird outlier event where people from all different tastes come and watch this for whatever reason to right. be in a group or the commercials or the halftime show itself or the game. And who's coming? Like, I mean, like they're going to trot out Miley Cyrus oh. at some point and then what? Does Last year when they did Snoop and everyone yeah. – I asked all of the young clients that I had, who is that going to be in 30 years? Right. And like none of them had a good answer. Justin Bieber is like the closest right. thing to a, I guess, Justin Bieber. Like none of them had an answer because everything sucks. Right. That generation sucks. We're going to move on to the next one. It's going to be fine. A down generation. Maybe they can change yeah. the format, do some like other thing. like their parents, the Gen X. Do like Blue Man Group or something. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be music. Yes! <laughs> Why haven't they done that? It's a very strange thing, and it's weird that it's become like a necessary thing in the culture. But like it obviously matters to people. A hundred and I just briefly got a glance at the ratings. They averaged 113 million people watching this entire performance. Apparently, that is a it, it spiked at halftime. 119 million See? people were watching uh, the Rihanna halftime show, and then the overall number is like shy of 200 million people. At various times, like 185 million people or something tuned in at That's some point. Crazy. Last night. 
And also, you know, I, I think uh, 538 and other websites had something out today about the juggernaut that is the NFL, the popularity, the ratings, and they, were, they had like a chart showing the ratings throughout uh, going back 50 years. And I was surprised that the NFL Super Bowl was outdrawing the World Series even then, like in the early 70s. But then I'm thinking about it, like of all the major sports, the Super Bowl is the only date certain championship, right? Yeah. Everything else right. is... It depends. You, it's perfect. So it's like it's Super Bowl Sunday. You can set your watch to it. You know, you know, it's fucking Super Bowl Sunday. It's a, it's a perfect last branding week thing. Was like, I just wish it weren't on Sunday. I wonder if they'll ever change it to Saturday. I was like, Are you fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday is never going to be anything besides Super Bowl right. Sunday. It would be they are better. not hurting for ratings. You yeah. idiot. It would be way better if it was on Saturday, but it's never going it's to not. be on this Saturday. Is, uh, it would be better. I, I was hearing if some... they move President's Day. Right. To, it doesn't to, matter. You're gonna watch it. Stop. This woman was acting like she wasn't gonna watch it. Right. You're gonna exactly, watch it. Yeah. Don't pretend you're not gonna watch it. You know when it is. You're watching it. I was listening to somebody earlier today. Something about like leave well enough alone, and this would fall under that. Like you know, what, what, don't oh, don't don't tweak. Leave well enough alone. I've heard that before. Leave as is. Do we need to talk about the school? First, we got to do uh, commercials. So, any commercials stand out to you, Abe? The only you know, again, whenever there's like. People that you watch with, there's always like inter- t- conversations, yeah, and hard. I've m- I missed way too many like of the commercials. Uh, I did catch old man Michael Keaton and uh, some new movie, but like I-, I nothing stood out to me. I don't other than the I like the, the Jesus ben one. one. So the first, donuts. so first on Michael Keaton, I-, I know that like DC is this the sort of war between Marvel and DC is a little bit overdetermined. Like Marvel makes a bunch of money. DC also makes yeah, a bunch of hurting, fucking money, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I know, I know that, that Marvel makes more money, but like for all the complaining that we hear about, about the DC extended universe or whatever, and it's bullshit. And largely the movies haven't been as good. I, I, I found them to be actually a higher hit ratio than the Marvel ones. Really? You don't, you don't find them too dark? Mostly. I find them way more interesting yeah. than the stupid schlocky Marvel garbage. Like right. at, at least they have characters with some like uh, some pathos. Angst. They have man and actual problems, and not just like quips and stunts. Right. Uh, and they have you know like, speaking of Q ratings, I mean they have the Batman and the Superman, right? The two biggest. I mean you, I guess Spider Man's in there too, but like all the other like lower level cartoon yeah, characters. I agree with you, you don't know DC. Yeah, has- like, and like. I didn't love uh, Ben Affleck as Batman, uh, generally speaking, in those couple of movies that he was in. But I, I like I've always I've liked every fucking Superman movie. I'm just a sucker for Superman movies. It's fine. Superman's great because you can't stop Superman. But like, also, they always pretend to find a way. You can't. There's no kryptonite. <laughs> Superman's going to be just fine. DC saw the success of that Spider-Man movie last year, where it was like uh, they did the Spider-Man meme, where they just put all the Spider-Mans yeah, the in there. Multiverse. And they're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, you know what we're gonna do with this Flash movie? We're gonna we're gonna just put all the Batman's in it, and it's gonna be awesome, just like that. That's what the people <laughs> like. That, that, yeah, that's well, what they like. They it, it's not enough just to have one Batman. We're gonna do six Batmans. What's in weird this is, one. It's gonna the, be awesome. I mean, maybe not three Spider Man's level of success, but the Batman with that Twilight guy did really well money wise, right? I mean, it's not like it. just stay that course. I mean, if you're trying to copy Spider Man or that. Doctor Strange guy. Like, I think that's if that's the trend of these uh, cartoon movies going forward. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. Speaking of uh, movies, so they Indiana Jones preview was there. That, of course, we'll end up seeing that. Uh, that's fine. Hopefully, it's uh, the fourth one was. I got to watch the fourth but... one. I, that's, I still haven't. No, I heard you don't. not very you don't. good things. Don't watch it. With, 
Shia no. LaBeouf. There's yeah. no redeeming quality. There's no, nothing redeeming about it. There's nothing like a funny scene. Not really. Scene. I mean, it's always fun to watch Harrison Ford run around doing stuff. Like, that's the you main advantage of it. You could just watch the first and third one, no, though. Right. Instead of watching the fourth one, you could just re-watch the good ones. Harrison Ford is great. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to an interview he did, I think, with uh, The Hollywood Reporter that came out a couple of weeks ago. That's worth reading. Uh, he's very... Interesting dude, very self-aware guy, and not at all actorly in the way that actors are super fucking. Well, do you annoying. like that he kind of actually doesn't care? No, he does <laughs> care. He he is he's very much invested in doing a good job, but he doesn't like he's he he's not a weirdo about it. Right. Uh, he's either he, one with the aeroplane going down. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He. Uh, Have you given yeah. that up? Aeroplane going down. Yeah. That's the name of that movie. And he was fun. <laughs> no, I mean like. Like in real life, no, like yeah, he, he he literally crashed his own <laughs> private plane more than into once, a golf I think. course. There was some sort of incident where a second time, it's like seventy plus year old. I think it's eighty now. Harrison Ford flying around. Yeah. The other movie one that I saw that I'm not convinced is I'm still not convinced is an actual movie. How is it that the Ben Affleck and Matt Damon Nike like the history of the Air Jordan movie <laughs> yeah. isn't some sort of an extended gag? Like I watched that preview last night, and I watched it again today, and I'm no more convinced that this is an actual movie. It I, is. I will not believe it until you come on this podcast and tell me, you know, Bob, last week I saw Air <laughs> in the theaters. By the way, it is remarkable that you say that because that got the biggest response in a very small sample, obviously. But not only were the people that I was watching the Super Bowl with uh, into this shoe movie – they were like, when did it come out and let's all watch? You know, so all these Jeez, friends of mine, they really? don't come out for most of the movies. They'll come out for like the big ones. And this is like Mission Impossible and this Nike movie are like up there this year. Well, wow. That's good to hear. It doesn't look real. I don't get it. It, <laughs> it only doesn't look real because you had seen – it's because Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are in it that it doesn't look real. And you see the two of them and you think surely they're joking because – Sometimes they're joking. Most of the time they're joking if they're together. Right. And they must have yeah. taken... They're uh, not joking this time. It's very serious shoes. And they must have taken some artistic license. And just based on the trailer, like, the way that they're presenting the information is if, like, Michael Jordan, who was at UNC, like, winning, uh, it's like, oh, there's this guy yeah. we're going to do this thing with. He's going to be a rookie. He's going to be great. Artistic like, oh. license. Have you ever seen Phil Knight's face? <laughs> uh, Matt, da- Matt Damon, he is not, my friend. Uh, also, ben, I liked the Ben Affleck commercial with the Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, yeah, well, I thought that was good. You know where Ben Affleck is much more believable than in a, a period piece of any sort? Dunkin' Donuts. Is working at a Dunkin' Donuts in the modern modern times. Ben Affleck has one of these faces that I cannot, no matter what I see him in, I believe he is from the 1990s. He works oh. in the 70s. He doesn't work anything anytime Prior to the 70s, and I say that, but now I know he was in Dazed and Confused, and that's kind of how I know him, right? I mean, I, there are many ways in which we know Ben Affleck, but... I think Good With Haunting was the first time I saw him, like, I'm, you know, he did the other stuff before, but that was like the first time. The Duncan one was fine. Okay. It was a, That was cute enough, as as shitty commercials go. That was fine. Uh, and the, the stupid kicker with J-Lo showing up was, was perfectly fine. I just don't believe him out of... The modern context. Right. He has one of those faces where you see him, and he's in. He could be a knight in shining armor, and it's like, what is this? What is this asshole from uh, 
from 1997 doing in this movie? Well, that doesn't he, make any sense at all. In the the, the last duel, I mean, he was kind of like uh, in there for a little bit, wasn't he? He was like the king or something. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Yeah. And he just, he, I haven't seen that one, but he just, he always stands out to me as somebody like a, a kid in King Arthur's court. He's just, he's transported from another time and not in a good way. Uh, the, let's see, other commercials. The commercial that out. The, that got the most uh, puzzled looks was the like black and white still pictures with like some music and it looks like. Two people are arguing all across America. The Jesus like commercials? The, yeah, the Jesus yeah. one. People are like, what the fuck is this? Because it didn't Jesus, really track. I yeah. mean, we've been seeing the, the – he have been around. The He Gets Us campaign has been ongoing for a, yeah. a, a long number of months at this point. Right. And these were in, in keeping with all of those. Uh, you know, I whatever. I saw some backlash. I saw some backlash because obviously they're funded by conservative – Christian groups that are but, not in line with the current po- politics. But that's and what's so weird about it, right? About that. Yeah, because they associated what the Hobby Lobby is one of them. They're, and Chick Fil A or something. Yeah. yeah. But you know, some of the commercials there would be commercials where like migrants would be coming north, and like the crux yeah. of that message is you know Jesus was an immigrant too, and you're like, oh okay, so there's the it was kind of like all over the place, and and the. Very last commercial that I saw where there were just people arguing at each other and some sort of cockamamie thing about Jesus after that. It, it, I was like, what is this? Like, I mean, what is the next step? Like, people know – I mean, speaking of Q ratings, 100%, right? Jesus, there's got to be nobody right. that doesn't know Jesus, right? So it's like, what is the point here? Like, what's the next step? I don't know. Did you go to the website and find no. out? No. <laughs> well, it sounds like That's a you problem, step. man. I'm not going to any uh. website. My favorite commercial of the night was probably the Breaking Bad tribute with uh, Jesse and Walt. I missed in the that, but yeah. Trailer. yeah. Instead of cooking meth, they were cooking popcorners. And here's the problem with commercials uh, I am precisely 0% more likely to purchase a bag of popcorners, which is a weird, like, uh, chip shaped thing of popcorn, which doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. Huh. If I want popcorn, I'm just going to buy some popcorn, uh, and more likely I'll just make it in my house. And if I want chips, I'll buy some chips. But I'm, I'm not – sorry. I, I loved this commercial. I thought it was very funny. And then they go and they give it to the drug dealer guy, and he does his oh. thing. And it's like really – it's very great. It's like it's a very clever ad. And also there's no chance that I'm going to buy this product moving forward. Wait. So just to be clear, you said it's a – like I said, I missed that commercial. But it's a – it's popcorn, but it's shaped like – Chips? Yes, it's like the I mean, shape of a Dorito. Come on, I mean, not once. Chips. I mean, it's corn chips. They're like uh, puffier Dorito type. Yeah, it's things. like a. It's a. You puffy... know what you should do, Abe, if you would like to try one, I'm, is it, you should go across the street to Murder Kroger. And they don't call that back. anymore. But yes, the new Kroger where no murder happens. I will report back <laughs> for next week. No, you cannot. Oh no, yes. No, because now we will I'm have, have that, successfully like, right implemented. Game we will have, Bob. I will have done the thing where I incepted the ad where I said that this will have no impact yes. whatsoever, and then you will have bought and the goddamn product. Here we will be. And then, because of your stupid ways, you will eat it every day for I the next it decade. Not that. Yeah, they had a point. Person, they will make their return. Corners. It is like their crack, eight million dollar you know? return on investment just on you. <laughs> I liked the Crown Royal ad. Uh, where Dave Grohl talks about how cool Canada is. Uh, that was cute. 
the premature electrification ad, which was this long Dodge Ram ad where they're they're hyping up their new Ford F one fifty competitor, and they 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 frame it as a as a dick pills ad, and I'll I'll, I'll actually go ahead and play that one here. Are you excited about buying an electric vehicle, but worried that it could leave you unsatisfied? Then you could be one of many Americans concerned about premature electrification. Symptoms may include fearing you might not be able to last as long as you'd like. There was plenty of charge before, and sometimes it goes away. A lot of times. I've been working a lot. Being unsure if you have enough power to handle your payload. I don't know if I got the power for this baby. I'm adventurous. I like to go all the way. I don't want to have to question if we're even going to make funny. it. Yeah. This is a real concern, it's a concern I have. Lacking the confidence about getting and being able to keep a charge. Having to stop every time we got really excited, that wouldn't work for me. Stop. Start. Stop. Start. If PE, premature electrification, is something you're worried about, go to ramrev.com and find out if the Ram 1500 Rev, with options being designed to extend range in satisfying ways, is right for you. Stop. Start. Stop. Start. It has the vibe of like a SNL kind of thing, but it's just a straight up, but it's pretty funny. I mean, number eight, what was that website? Pretty tough judge. I like the concept, but they should have played it much straighter. And it's a much better laugh if you just play it straight instead of having all of the haranguing wives talking about how worthless their husband's dicks are yeah. right like yeah but you know how bitches be so i just don't i i would have preferred this to be because it's a very clever concept that as Lori is saying actually speaks to a concern that a lot of people have which is like uh, i want to do what's right i want to get this cool new piece of technology in addition to uh, doing what's right for the environment but also like isn't it a pain in the ass to yeah. have to like find these charging stations and like I have to set up my house to charge my fucking car like like so it's a clever way of broaching the subject but they beat you over the head yeah. with it way too many times and like I think playing it straight would have been better. They don't like uh, subtlety in thirty second ads though. That's why they're like we got, we got to drive the point home several times. The big celebrity one was the Caddyshack sort of remake katie uh, really enjoyed those do i like pepsi or am i acting commercials yeah uh, well steve martin is always a always a crowd pleaser the uh the Michelob ultra caddyshack thing was lame i thought first of all if you're gonna do this whole fucking caddyshack thing you have to include the groundhog or like uh, it's just no point. Right. Like, I appreciate that uh, okay bill murray can't be there so you get the other various people to be the bill murray character it's fine but like give me the fucking groundhog you're playing the song the whole fucking time the i'm all right song and you don't even give me that and then further the the miller light versus coors light commercial when it's like is this a miller light commercial or a coors light commercial and the dystopian underbelly of it was just making bob me can't sick handle it. it's bob like was fuck you guys you're the same company <laughs> i get the joke and it's not blue a joke moon, and it's not funny blue moon the this, whole time. this isn't a funny joke <laughs> It's yeah, it's a blue moon commercial after all. It's like ah, no, this is what the our bogus future is about. It's like this disgusting. Everybody is all owned by the same fucking brand well, management company. It's awful. Didn't they do that? But like over many more commercials a few years ago with a is this a Tide ad or is this a this ad or and they're all I think weren't they all like Procter sure and Gamble companies? It was some sort of it could go either way thing. Anyway, we don't have to go over them all, but I did want to mention no, we don't. the uh, the Tubi, which is a, a streaming service that nobody really knows about. But Tubi had an ad 
where uh, these bunnies, these big, gigantic bunnies go around and they toss people into the content mall. Like this is a whole commercial <laughs> where they just they take humans and they throw them literally into enormous rabbit holes. Like the idea is like get lost in new rabbit holes or something, whatever the stupid tagline is at the end of the thing. But it was like it was like one of my nightmares about the content <laughs> mall come to life. Like these these enormous creepy bunnies are going to show up and just throw you into the gaping content maw and you'll just fall forever. Did a lot for me. I'm not going to watch Tubi How, again, uh, but uh, whatever. Hey, this all this venture capital money stuff, like I don't understand this uh fast or whatever it's called. This is that free ad supported thing. Are are they part of right. that? Mm-hmm. So like they can splurge on 7 million dollar 30 second ads and how are they making money cuz it's on one of these Android apps that I have, like for one of my TVs. It's like one of the things that comes with, and I can't imagine a lot of people are watching Tubi. So it's like, where's all this money coming from? Like, this is not going to take off. Anyway, does that do it for us uh, on Super Bowl coverage? There's a, a lengthy segment here on the big yeah, game. With the uh, seriously Bitcoin commercial count at zero. This is a great departure from last year. After all the there was one there was one commercial for like an NFT concern where you you they wanted you to scan a QR code and it would get you into their NFT universe or something. Okay, uh, but that was it, okay. and that was after like half the commercials last yeah. year were from. Uh, crypto scam companies. Larry David should have bought like a 15 second spot just to say, eh? yeah, got that one right. I mean, he was playing the character that <laughs> didn't <laughs> right. believe in FTX, but like <laughs> kind of worked out for him. The audacity of Matt Damon to show up in a movie commercial uh, a year after <laughs> promising all of the assholes that he's talking to that uh, fortune favors the bold. You better you better dump all your money into this uh, into this crypto, you fucking sucker. And then you come back the next year doing a movie yeah. about Phil Knight. Pretend it jerk. didn't happen. Yeah, it's great. All right, so that right, was now it's ten oh seven. That was fun. Yeah, you know, briefly. It, you know what? It's okay to just do a Super Bowl episode. No, yeah, briefly, Abe, on the State of the Union. Did you watch the State of the Union last week? I did. Yes. Uh, Looked like uh, the president was taking some sort of uh, something alert. He was very like he was trying to get all the words out, and he got most of them out. And he was very like like assertive. I was gonna, yeah, I was. I mean, he was certainly assertive. I wouldn't say he got all the words (laughs) out necessarily. (laughs) It's bizarre to me. We are all living in this very comfortable fiction that the things that Joe Biden says make sense. When, in fact, a lot of the things that Joe Biden says don't cohere to known reality in any meaningful way. And congratulations to Chuck Schumer. Another, uh, you know, another term as Senate Minority Leader. Uh, You know, I think you, uh, only this time you have a slightly bigger majority, Mr. Leader. You're the majority leader. About that much bigger? Well, I tell you what. To repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. As my coach, that's okay, that's fair. As my football coach used to say, lots of luck in your senior year. <laughs> so, folks, as we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. 
and I don't have any clips because I didn't I didn't do my homework and like it's been a week now yeah. and so like who fucking cares because that's the stupid secret of the State of the Union is that it's just an excuse to talk about the State of the Union for three or four days and like it has absolutely no right. impact and also, on and everybody moving forward and everybody kind of understands that it's just a, kind of like this performance that you do like even if somebody will was eloquent, you know, Obama, I'm sure, said, gave some nice State of the Union speeches, and none of that stuff happened. You know, it's just like a thing, right. it's this thing, everybody shows up. Right. He says, he says, so in the big moment that, that made waves, and people are still talking about now, where he engages with the Republicans on the, on the Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security thing, he says, as a way of buttoning that up, he says, okay, so... Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? What are you talking right. about? Like, is that's the, the, when you when you say that you're, he says something like we're taking it off the table. It's like, what exactly does that mean? And it doesn't mean the thing that he thinks that it means, but, or and, it doesn't mean the thing that. He, but you know what's weird? I, I that that did stick out to me too. And what was funny is that even though that's not exactly how he meant to say it, everybody understood it that way because like they there was like an applause to that. Like you basically. He conveyed the message without actually saying, getting it right, and it's maybe people can kind of anticipate how Biden talks, and you can kind of like, all right, half those words don't mean anything. Okay, you meant A, B, and C. So people are doing a lot of the math for him because the reaction right, but that's wasn't what I mean. confu- like, so. So the same thing happens with his. He gets a big laugh line from the Democrats where he says uh, he, he breaks out the old line, "Good luck in your senior year." Like his old football coach used to say to me, right. as my old football coach used to say, "Good luck in your senior year." And the Democrats all stand and laugh and they think it's hilarious and the Republicans are just sort of placidly sitting there like <laughs> and like then there's this New York Times article the next day and they talk to like 15 people and nobody knows what the fuck right. it means. Right. Like so why did why did you laugh? It's like, "Oh, you know, in the moment, like we all thought it was funny, I guess." It's not sure exactly what it means but uh you know it's funny because uh, he said it and we were supposed to laugh because he's old you see senior year he's because he's old now right. so the coach couldn't possibly have been referring and what's, to now with him being old right and and for me like i know what the i know the joke that he's trying to make there which makes it all the more infuriating for me that all of these reporters and democrats on capitol hill are utterly mystified by the joke Right. Which is like it's a way of uh, somebody who knows better saying to someone who's an idiot. "Okay, yeah, uh, that's great for you, I guess. Good luck in your senior year, you fucking idiot. Like that's what the joke is. The joke is you've got all these plans. You think you're going to do all this shit, but I'm more world weary and I fucking know better than you do. But good luck in your senior year, kid. Like that's the joke. And the fact that they don't know what the fucking joke is, but they laugh anyway, makes me a crazy person. (laughs) Like what? at, at, At least... Like, take the 10 seconds to think about it so that you can then say to Peter Baker or whoever when he calls you what what the actual joke is. Right. But, People understand, uh, like, the audience kind of understands. I've seen it, like, in these – anytime you go to, like, a live show, there's, like, this weird, like, understanding of, like, your role, like, the applause. Especially the State of the Union. Well, very like vibes. <laughs> I mean, the State of the Union is very – geared towards that so like i bet you a lot of people were just like that sounded like an applause line or that sounded like a quip 
I don't know what the fuck it was, but that's what it was. It's like watching, so it's like watching Dennis Miller without your encyclopedia handy yeah, yeah. so that you can catch all of, like, and you laugh anyway because it's like, well, he thinks it's funny, right. and it's probably funny, and I recognize, like, 60% roughly of what he said over the course of that very quickly spoken joke. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and laugh anyway. But, like, uh, it's one thing when that's the comedian doing a throwaway monologue on uh, Friday night in HBO. It's another thing when it's the president of the United States right. and nothing he's saying that everyone is reacting to makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> well, he he, uh, he rose to the moment because why uh, spend any more effort than necessary? If this is just going to be forgotten by Wednesday, it's like, yeah. you know. I mean, and, and for what it's worth, uh, for all of the talk about that, that back and forth between Biden and the Republicans, it was undeniably a politically effective thing in the moment. Like I was watching it and thinking, yeah, he's an old fucker, but like this is a, this is a compelling moment. And I think what he knows, instinct, instinctively what he knows is that even though he is baiting them into the back and forth, they're going to look like assholes just by responding, right? right? And they did. Marjorie Taylor Greene and all the other screeching Republicans look like assholes just by responding, by, by rising to his, his bait. And it doesn't even it doesn't look like baiting when you're the president right. of the United States. Right. The, the authority of the office he, he, still has sort of a, a natural sort of uh, respect and authority up there. It's it's not a fair fight right. if you're in the audience and you're yelling back at. Although him. there were times in this speech, like he opened kind of like, "Hey, Kevin McCarthy, good luck with that shit," and handed you know, "Kumbaya." But like in the middle, there's a lot of like like digs at Republicans, right? Or like, this is what they're... Basically, it sounded like a campaign kind of rally more than anything else. And so, because there were a few parts where he would say something and and a couple of them would react to it. And it just kind of got worse and worse. And basically, to the point where like, uh, one of them, like Green or somebody else, said that he lied and there was all this back and forth and there was a need to kind of reset. Uh, it was... I, I think... It made the rounds the next day, but like I don't think that's uh, a good thing in the long term to just have this back and forth. I don't know how the British do it with all this yakety yakking back and right. forth, but I don't think it works well here because it's not going to stay at this level. It's just going to get worse and worse, right? It's going to be a little more – somebody's going to do some sort of stunt, and even though they look bad to a lot of people – their target audience are probably all for it, like speak truth, power, and all that stuff, right? Does it matter at all that he got both parties to stand up and applaud for not doing anything to these programs that are going to go bankrupt in 10 years unless we do something about it, right? Like, So <laughs> does, I, although, it, does it matter that he convinced – I mean, and obviously uh, Mitch McConnell and the, uh, who's been – and by the way, Marjorie Taylor Greene this week says that uh, Mitch McConnell is not even a real Republican. I don't have the clip handy. I'll probably drop it in in the edit here. But she's doing a, a town hall style meeting with some consist constituents, and she says, uh, "Who here thinks Mitch McConnell's a real Republican?" And nobody raises their hand. And then she says, "Who thinks he's a Democrat?" And the crowd goes wild, and everybody raises their hand. It's like you're saying that someone who is like pretty clearly, demonstrably, the single most effective. Republican politician of his generation in terms of simply getting shit done, right? And blocking like, things that they, <laughs> that his side doesn't want from happening, right? Right. Forestalling. The most effective 
politician of his generation is actually working for the other team at this whole time? Right. Like, like what, what is it that you think is going on here? I, I don't understand. She's a fucking moron. But anyway, Mitch McConnell has told Rick Scott. Rick Scott had this idea that uh, we should sunset all federal programs. And it's sort of like uh, – it's sort of this old idea of like a Ninth Amendment or a Tenth Amendment commission where it's like everything that shouldn't belong to the federal government should revert to the states. Like what we should do is we should say that every federal law, unless we explicitly renew it every five years, should just go away. And Rick Scott said, yeah, even including in, – in passing, he was like, yes, even including uh, Medicare and Social Security. Like if it matters, then we will vote to to keep it going again. But yes, it should sunset, right? And that, that was the that was the phrase that was used. And so that was the, the sort of bullshit hook that Biden latched on to to say there are some Republicans who want to uh, end Social Security. Uh, they want to sunset the program. They want to end the program, uh, which is not true. Like there, there's unanimity in both parties, basically, that they don't want to touch Social Security. And it's a huge problem, in fact, that you can convince uh, both sides of the aisle to stand up and applaud and say, yes, we're going to do absolutely nothing to fix the problem of uh, runaway entitlement spending that's going to bankrupt these programs in the next 10 years so, or so. So there, there, there is broad support, but there are, you know, like Mike Lee, I think, had a thing uh, where, I mean, maybe there's a campaign stop, but there's like that, that clip that's making their ends where he was saying about ending Social Security. I mean, wasn't it during the Bush years they were trying to privatize it? It's not like some new thing. There's been all these like efforts. I mean, it's, it's a very popular program. Right, so but it's complete. It's a total third rail. It cannot that you cannot now talk about it, and neither party is willing to responsibly approach the issue. And it it's simply not. Nothing's going to happen, and they're going to run headlong into drastic cuts to benefits that will happen uh, in in less than ten. So years. that's been the thing that's always been said. Like, has anyone followed up on that? Because I mean, when this was. Being discussed during the Bush years, like 17, 18 years ago, they were saying it was a few years away from something. And where the fuck is that Well, all the talk in the Obama administration is we're not going to kick the can, we're not going to kick the can, but then they continue to kick the can. Like, it's what they do every fucking time. Right. And they will continue to do it anyway. Like. I don't know. Maybe fiscal responsibility is just a it's a an anachronism that there's yeah, just I, nothing that we be, need because, to ever worry about. Because the the heart cell is like, well, it's working now, right? And it's it's kind of like the deficit. It's like, yeah, the deficit's going up, but nothing's really happening. And would there be any support over like I mean, what would be the solution? Like uh raising the age? Like is that like the way to save this thing that's been around forever? Like I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Democrats are saying – I saw a tweet today from some Democratic interest group that's like Republicans want to raise, raise the retirement age to 70. Call this number and tell Mitch McConnell that you don't want to work until you die. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, there's, there must be at some point some honest interlocutors here who can responsibly deal with the issue, but uh, certainly none of them are on Capitol yeah, it's, Hill it's, right I mean now. it's – Basically, when honesty doesn't work, basically all you can do is reciprocity. So if somebody does dishonest things, it seems like it's this corrosive thing where – and maybe you know, maybe neither side actually wants to fix it You because know? like it's, it's a big undertaking, right? And you'll need broad bipartisan support. So like people are just using it as a campaign thing. Like say they want to get rid yeah. of it and we don't. All right. Briefly before we uh, go into the ending of the show here. Uh, on my opening there, which we I probably shouldn't just leave dangling about the the school name change. 
Although we don't care officially. Right. And to, and to tie it in actually a little bit, maybe to the, the talk about Rihanna and the, the sort of performative not caring thing. When the school, because this is something that's happened here in our in our lovely little hamlet, they're they're renaming a couple of the local schools, including the one where our our children go. And they sent out a parent survey, and they wanted you to go and like uh, answer all these, I don't know, ten questions or no, something. With all these, was it all these? It was a few questions, and it's like, can you share your feelings about this one way or another? And like, there's a there's an opportunity to comment, and I dutifully pulled up the email and I was going to make my voice heard and I'm reading it. And then I am like, why, why am I, why, why am I going to bother? I don't care enough about my position to make any sort of a stink about this in one way or another. And also at the same time, I recognize that that's how these assholes win. Right. Like (laughs) the, the, the way that the utterly bogus, uh, we need to rename this to fix systemic racism or whatever the fuck they think it is that they're doing here. I only allow them the space to claim victory by not being willing to stand up and make a coherent argument that is not the argument of the worst people. And uh, and I'll read you an example of what the argument is from the worst people. Uh, because this, of course, because it's a neighborhood school, it makes the rounds in our neighborhood Facebook group as well. And this is what was posted a few days ago. And it just says, I'll just read it. I, for one, would like to see Johnson's school remain, I'm naming the school now, which is probably not smart to do, but whatever, here I am. I, for one, would like to see Johnson school remain Johnson school. I understand the impetus to move away from naming public facilities after individuals who may have their own troubling histories, but Johnson is a neighborhood school, and I don't believe that we'll be renaming our village anytime soon. I also wish that the opinion of JV neighbors was given more weight in the discussion. According to this article, the top contenders are Cherry Avenue School and Forest Hills School, Ugh, I wrote in Johnson Village School. What are your thoughts, neighbors? And there's somebody who replied, and he says, I agree. My sons, all of them, went to Johnson School. One of the principals told me we had the longest running years of children who went to school there, over 30. And not one time did we even think about the Civil War. (laughs) Good. uh, Great success. a weird brag, man. Uh, (laughs) A nice drink. uh, All right. Continuing the quote, that happened 100 years ago. Renaming it is erasing our fond memories of the school and its teachers and the happy times. Nothing to do with Civil War history. More familial history. So, like, uh, hey, what the fuck are you talking about, man? (laughs) Like, I also would prefer uh, to just leave well enough alone. But, like, uh... What are you talking about that the goddamn memories go away when they rename the school? They didn't. And and so I I wrote a snarky reply uh, to his comment, but I did it in such a way. uh, I mean, nobody fucking cares. This is a neighborhood Facebook group. Here's what I said in response. It's true. Renaming the school also erases memories. This is how neurons work. (laughs) This this is why Men in Black was so far-fetched. Why have a guy running around blanking people's minds with alien technology when you can just retcon all of history with new building names? Sorry for your loss. Thoughts and prayers. 
So I did it without specifically calling out this one asshole, but I did that for a reason, which is one, uh, don't be that guy who specifically calls out the one fucking moron in the Facebook thread. But two, because I wanted to leave open the opportunity for people to see that in fact, what this asshole is suggesting that they can just remove all of his memories by, by, by changing the name of the school is the same exact thought process that is in the heads of the idiots who want to rename the school in the first place, right. right? Which is that somehow some sort of metaphysical magic happens that things are just magically different or better or worse because we change the name of a of, of, that, that, that is vaguely plastered on top of a building that nobody even notices, right? And it's just this complete abstraction of a place that your kids go or went 30 fucking years ago that doesn't have any meaningful impact on anyone's lives uh, today to the point where I don't think anyone has ever thought about this Johnson character in fucking forever until somebody brought him up in suggesting that somehow he's tied to white supremacist ideals that are continuing to hold back our nations or our city's children. And it, 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 I, I just don't understand. Now, okay, in defense of uh, this neighbor of yours, maybe the argument he's saying, like, look, we get nothing. It's like if this were like a, a, a trade, a sports trade, like we're – Giving up the name for nothing in return. Like, nothing is being improved. It's not like racial issues are resolved. Like, it is just textbook empty gesture, right? It does nothing. And it does so little. But that's not even what he's saying. That's not even right. what he's saying. Because, like, uh, fuck this guy. Like, you're presenting a much better argument than no, this guy does. I'm, you know, which is that up, like, you I know, don't like even think about the, the Civil War. And the reason that I didn't, the, the whole reason that I couldn't bring myself to even fill out the fucking survey is because I know that I would end up aligning on the same team <laughs> as this fucking dumbass <laughs> who says that I haven't even thought about the Civil year, War in 30 fucking right. years. And you're going to erase my memories but, by well, changing the name of the school. But again, as the guy was trying to say, uh, I'm imagining this. <laughs> sure he was. <laughs> is that you literally get nothing in return. And now, like, something as trivial as continuity. Like, I want to say, I went to Johnson, whatever. My kid went to Johnson, whatever. My old man went to... Now i got to say, my kid went to Cherry or whatever the fuck they're going to change it to. Like, we get right. nothing. And now there's, like, this confusion. We didn't go to the same school. They had a nice little streak, streak like, three, 30 years or whatever. Like, why are we changing it? We got we got like T-shirts and everything that has said Johnson, whatever. There's no association to the Civil War, even though there's a connection to it. It's just a name. It doesn't mean anything else, right? It's basically severed the name. There's no. They don't have like a Civil War like mascot, do they? Like the rebels no. or no, something, right? They're, so they're uh, learning leopards. They're the leopards. Yeah. So it's like, what are we talking they're about? It's just words at this point. It's just words we're using. Meanwhile, there's a middle school in Northern Virginia where I went to school. That was Lanier and is now Johnson, not named after this Johnson. It was named after one of the black NASA ladies, Johnson. Uh. But still, now there's a Johnson where there wasn't one. And I think that if we can all just agree to rename schools every 50 years, <laughs> this will all be fine. Just like every 25, 50 years, I we're going to rename the schools after whatever. Just It'll be fine. just change the attribution. You know, they should just say it's a different Johnson. This not, just have like a ribbon cutting ceremony. Still call it Johnson, but it'll be attributed to some other schmuck. Hopefully, they'll call it Cherry. It'll be cute. What are they like? But what like? And I I agree with you, Abe. That like it's an it's a it's a utterly pointless thing to get worked up about on the one hand, 
and to try to change something that isn't actually going to have any impact on anything. But at the same time, have I done a disservice to my own position here by sitting this one out, right? Because what I know for absolute certain is that I could present the most compelling argument for leaving well enough alone than than any other asshole who decided that their opinion was worth hearing on the subject, right? right? Like I'm I'm positive of that, that I could- It would be worthwhile, And have I done something- have I done something fundamentally wrong by leaving well enough alone so to such a radical extent that I, I, I've just allowed my own ambivalence uh, to allow my voice to be silenced here, and I've just let the I've let the assholes win. Right. I mean, assuming that this is was like an actual feedback forum, like they're actually taking this information and taking that into account. It's not just like a right, which of course they're right. not. Which is another right. reason for me right. to just sit this out. Which is because we're gonna we're gonna hear community feedback and oh by the way, it doesn't matter what the fucking right. vote is. Like we're we're gonna let the racists win. Right. Are you out of your yeah. fucking minds? <laughs> like because that's what it comes down yeah. to. We've in, in a in a very Ibram X Kendian sort of way, we've established that there's an anti racist thing to be achieved here by taking this guy's name off the building and anybody who stands in the way of that, whether that's and that would never be explicitly stated right? right that is not the sort of thing that gets explicitly stated but the uh, the underlying goal is there because it's an anti-racist they believe that they're participating in some sort of anti-racist thing and and there's no convincing them otherwise and that to to seed the ground to not explicit racists necessarily but people who are not being actively racist and are therefore in the kendian model being racist right. and that you have two options you can either choose to act racist Racistly, or you can choose to act anti-racistly. And in important ways, Kendi would say, my ambivalence towards even the project is racist, right? Like, that, like my, my unwillingness to speak up in favor of the anti-racist school renaming is in fact a racist act. Now, that's an absurdity, and I haven't been personally confronted with that. That's not what I'm saying here. But have I done? Have I, in your estimation, done something that I shouldn't have done by doing? Right. That? I think. I mean, I probably would have done the same as you did, which is nothing. But like, you're right. There is the risk of if enough of people who think differently just say, "Ah, fuck it." The appearance will be that this is like a unanimous opinion or a broad. Oh, we got ten responses, and like nine of them are like positive, and one of them is racist. Uh, you know, fuck that guy, and uh, you know. We'll just continue with this plan. Like, if there was an argument that was presented there that people could latch on to, because, like, you know, I'm sure there are people like you reading what that guy said. Like, oh, my God, this is pretty flimsy. What is this bullshit? You had some kids, right. you know, for 30 years or whatever. Like, that's not, like, a very good argument. But, like, if somebody did present one, maybe it would be a galvanizing right. kind of and thing. And at the same time, as you were trying to defend him, like, I recognize his heart's in the right place. Like, there is something there that is true to him, as dumb as it right. is, is to insist, I don't even think <laughs> about the Civil War, and also you're going to erase my memories by taking away the, the school name. Like, no, you're right. not. That's not what's going to happen. But there is something sort of ineffable that will be taken away by changing the name of the neighborhood school where you've lived for 30, 40 years, where your kids went to school. Like, the school was built in 1958 or something like it was a segregated school until uh like just a few years later i think it was it was a segregated school for like four or five years or something before it was uh forcibly desegregated and like yeah there are interesting and important stories to tell about the the history of this city but changing the name of the school is not any means of actually doing any of that work it's just total fucking nonsense And also, like, you know what, uh, and this is no surprise to anyone, Charlottesville is named after the 
King George III's wife, the 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 Queen Regent at the time, uh, Queen Charlotte of England. Like, are, is that not r- remotely problematic? Right. I mean, we live in we live in Jefferson's fucking town for Christ's sake. Like, uh, why are we stopping at the superintendent of schools from the 1940s? I don't know what I I still here. don't uh, get why uh, because maybe it's it's a deep red state, but like Oklahoma, literally, I've, I think I've said this a million times. The the origin of the name Oklahoma is red people in like one of the Native American languages, and that's where that they sent them to back, you know, from like Georgia and other parts of the Southeast. Uh, and red people state, the state of red people, like that's. You would think at some point uh, these – because you can make that argument about anything, including a state. So it's like shouldn't you direct your energy towards something more productive that actually helps people? Because there is no connection to that. Whatever the original purpose of the name was, there's no connection to to the school, what they're doing today, the people that are going to the school or the people that live in a particular state. You're literally accomplishing nothing if we had – fixed everything else maybe but like it you're getting nothing for this and i recognize that it's dumb but also it's gonna bum me out that in 20 years or whatever when calvin comes back home from wherever he's been and we can't like he went to school right up the street here it's not named that anymore but like it would be like for whatever reason there's the like the continuity does fucking oh, matter and it's lame that around. it does but it does after poo-pooing that old geezer and I'm just I'm, I'm mostly I'm like I'm disappointed in because of course it's not just me but like I am I am fully convinced that the vast majority are of my opinion which is the leave well enough alone this isn't actually going to change anything and what are we doing right. here but like it it feels like impolite like and I don't have the same like because I've said this to a number of people I've said this to a number of neighbors already my opinion that like. Like what the f- what are we doing here? Why bother? Like this doesn't matter. I looked into this guy and he was just a guy. He wasn't he wasn't particularly bad. He wasn't particularly great. Like what is the what is the real problem here? Like so I don't have a problem being impolite in that way. My feeling is more of one of just like I don't want to justify this conversation with my fucking presence in it as silly as that is. And I don't think that like that's most pe- I think most people are just like I just don't want to be impolite to people who care more right. than I do, right? right? Like I I might not want to put a BLM sign in my yard, but I'm not going to be mad about like I'm not going to stand up to the people who have the BLM signs in their yard who have decided this is the most important issue of the week or whatever. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com for a show note. You can also uh, head over to tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. You find much better music than that that halftime show nonsense maybe. that uh, Rihanna put It'll out. They'll be in the halftime show in 20 years, maybe? That's right. That's uh, Mark Gillig composed our opening and closing themes. Abe, did you go see Magic Mike 3 this week? <laughs> no, I did not. Um Ah, I was looking at the top ten, and I was like, surely should be, the only thing here that Abe could have gone to see it, is Magic Mike It should Mike be 3. very obvious what movie I went to go see. Uh 25th anniversary of Titanic. Oh, my oh, God. No. You didn't. You did not sit in a movie theater for three hours. It was on 3D. It was amazing. Man, this James Cameron guy is so good at this movie oh stuff, my right? God. Did you, Wait, did, did you, you see, see Titanic it? in 1997 yes. or One of the first movies I've ever watched in Cat. Wow. And I was like, this movie is like this guy. Like, whoever this guy is knows what he's doing. He's on top of things. It's very... 
seamless wow. story. On top of the world, king of the world. But, you know, I've seen it Titanic a million times by now. Uh, and every time I watch it, there's always like some slight shift in focus. And this was uh, this latest uh, watch was uh, all Billy Zane. This guy is amazing. What a performance <laughs> he put on. I forgot about it because, of the, you know, it's you're a big Billy Zane guy. I remember we were watching Back to the Future Part Two, and you were just you were on your pins and needles waiting for Billy Zane to make an appearance. Yes, he's great. Uh, I mean, he was a total shit for brains. And actually, maybe you know, I always forget like the where I come up with uh, these stupid things, like this insurmountable lead thing. Um, like I think. Maybe that was one of the first times where he was talking up, oh, the, nothing can sink this Titanic. It's like the greatest thing ever. And, you know, it, it sinks, you know, and things go south. But, like, right. he's had, like, I think James Cameron was trying to get across the point that this guy's a total shithead. And there was, like, a scene at the end during the best part of the movie. Like, Titanic is billed as a romantic movie, but it's, like, a great disaster movie. Like, this ship, as soon as the stupid little right. thing hits, th- that hour is perfect unblemished right billy zane walks by like some crying child he's like oh fuck this kid who cares about him or her i have a child and then he finds some utility for her. like oh okay this is gonna be my pass you know because it's like women and children first he had some they're not letting they're not letting the men on the lifeboats right. and there aren't enough seats and yeah. and he he had made arrangement he paid off i don't understand that part though like he paid off some guy to like let him in like the, the guy that's running things he worked for the titanic like, he must know like i'm gonna die like who, what am i gonna do with this money that i just pocketed like this is uh this, no, this is unsinkable. a real this is a real commitment to the idea that like things are gonna work out for yeah. me like the guy the guy who takes the bribe is like yeah this looks bad now but i'm sure it'll be fine something will work yeah, out yeah so like he he thought he made arrangements and he had an opportunity but because of whatever kate winslet was doing he didn't take it and so he was out of options and he used as a child i remember that part but I, what i forgot when i until i watched it again was when uh things were kind of going getting out of hand and people were trying to swarm his boat he was standing up kicking people away telling them they're going to capsize this thing <laughs> which i understand is a survival thing to do but what a dick just like get you have to die so yeah. i can live james cameron's commitment to hating on the rich white dude is uh is is pretty consistent, and it's it's curious given his situation right. as a uh, rich white dude. It, it, it plays well, uh, but no, it was a fantastic movie. Have you ever seen the alternate ending to Titanic? There's an alternate ending. I will. Uh, I'll have to share this with you now. I'm afraid it- it's very bad. <laughs> it's, let's just let's just say it's very good that they ended up going with the ending that they went with. I don't know how much of this is going to make it into the audio portion of the podcast, but... I don't know what to say to a woman who tries to jump off the Titanic when it's not sinking and then jumps back on when it is. <laughs> We're not dealing with logic here, I know that, but please... Think about this for a second. Oh, I've thought about this for years. And I've come all the way here to put it back where it belongs. Wait. Just let me hold it in my hand, please. Just once. Oh my God! Who the hell thought of this? Not just thought of it. They shot the whole thing. Yeah, it's all like finished. You look for treasure in the wrong place, Mr. <laughs> Lovett. Only life is priceless, and making each day count. <laughs> Jesus, no! 
they're freaking out. You like get they to the end of the movie, home. your three-hour epic, and it's just a poster in a kindergartner room that says, make each day that count. That really sucks, lady! <laughs> I don't know if Jim Cameron realized it or if somebody told him, but uh, that would have been disastrous. Holy shit, that is bad. And it goes right into the rest. All right, so to protect the integrity of James Cameron, I'm going to choose to believe that this was a imposition by the studio suits, right? They're like, we got to have a nice little happy ending, and he did it for them, but since he retains editorial control, he then did away with it. So this is not counting against Cameron. This is this is not Jim, not not from Jim's yeah, brain. You're yes. saying. Yeah. He, he, I'll make sure there's a link because uh, I obviously won't have played that whole thing during the podcast episode. But you can check out the near disastrous ending to Titanic. Uh, that is on the re- remarkable because it was very smooth without it. Just like just cut the fat like. Even though it's a three-hour movie, less is more because that's way too much yakety yak. What is that? Oh, it's dreadful. Just drop the drop the diamond and move along. Right. And also, yeah, it is like Laurie said. It is implausible. Like they got machines for this. Like I would pretend it's lost forever to appease the old lady, right. and then she goes back to and sleep. Now you know exactly. You know exactly where it is. In fact, you've proven that you have these crazy subs yeah. that can just go down and and have arms and find things. Uh, just go get it's it. Like, oh, I learned a lot, old lady. All right, go to sleep. So we can fetch. Did you pay for the privilege of seeing well, Titanic again, or was this part of your A list? It's part of the AMC A list thing. Um, and so last year, this time, Godfather, 50th anniversary, solid right. showing. This year, they had Titanic. I even said this last year. They should do more. It shouldn't just be one movie a year in the dead of winter. They should have a couple because I think people will show up to watch it. And also, like these kind of movies, like the classic movies or movies that have been around for a long time. Music goes a long way. Like they like there's very memorable like soundtracks from these movies. Like Godfather had that <laughs> yeah. last year last year and this Titanic. Oh, I remember this little been, ditty. You've been you've been thumping some Celine Dion <laughs> this week on Spotify since you got back from the movie. Don't deny it. All right, most recent Last of Us episode ends with the hero of the hour uh, having to shoot his infected younger brother and then ends up uh, shooting himself in the head afterwards. And HBO, for some reason, didn't think we'd be in the mood for that after the yeah. Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it had its, its first sort of big action set piece that we've seen in a couple of episodes with the, the big zombie horde coming out from... Uh, the oh, especially that underground in the city. That roaded zombie. I, that's a tough out. Like that weirdo that <laughs> came out at the very <laughs> end. I don't know how you defeat that. That was a big yeah. one. I think that I have some big problems with sort of what this show is doing with these characters. So they, they give you these characters who are the resistance to 
the citizens who threw the federal government out of their city in a big rebellion. But then, of course, the lesson that we're meant to learn is that if you're going to overthrow your oppressors, that the that the revolutionaries often become the oppressors themselves because it takes a certain kind of uh, violent revolutionary mindset to achieve violent revolutionary ends, right? right? And that you don't necessarily want the leadership of your uh, new idyllic system to be the same people who overthrew the old uh, repressive system because in all likelihood they're not equipped to rule, they're equipped to do revolution, right? Right. And that's fine. I understand that. The the character of Henry I I struggle with because it, it, it seems so childish to me to sort of have this character who's like, am I a bad guy because I did a bad thing to help my brother? To say that part out loud, it's like, come on, man. Like, don't hold our hands through this. Like, he literally says the line, am I a bad guy because of the things that I've done? Like, (laughs) Yeah, that is right. It's it's really quite on the nose and, and very silly. And I get that he's not a main character and, like, he can't maintain throughout the series or whatever. And, like, in a way, the suicide is the only way for this character to go out in terms of advancing the narrative of our main characters, right? Like, it's it's more about propping the main characters up than it is actually doing any deep characterization of these people. And that's but generally the trend more... with all the new characters, right? Basically, every new character that comes just right. dies off. They're, they serve some right. sort of purpose and— but it's a much more interesting thing if this guy has to live with the things that he did that resulted in the world that he now inhabits, right? And if if the lesson of the show is just it's impossible to function within oppressive systems in a moral or ethical way, right, which seems to sort of be what we're getting at here, which is that it is functionally impossible to behave morally in a broken system, and that anybody who li- – you live lo- – I mean it's the stupid Dark Knight thing, right? You live long enough to become the villain or you die a hero. Right. And this Henry character had to offer up on a platter a guy that he admired, a, a person that he thought was one of the good guys. He sacrificed in order to get medicine to keep his uh, little brother alive and then ultimately uh, he has to shoot his brother in the head because his brother has become a zombie and I don't know because we didn't have enough time to decide what made him put the gun to his head and then pull the trigger, right? So in the moment, are we meant to understand that he can't live with himself because he just put a bullet in his brother's head? Or are we meant to sort of do all of the extra work of characterization, which is that he can't live with himself knowing that he had previously done the bad thing, which was to keep his brother alive and therefore resulted in the death of someone that was a good person. Right. And now ultimately that was a totally futile act that only brought – only bought his brother six more weeks or something of life. And now the reason that he's putting the gun to his head and pulling the trigger is because he can't live with himself for having done the bad thing six weeks ago. No, it's because he had nothing to live for anymore. Right. It's because he had no reason to go on because his whole purpose in life, in the same way the lesson of episode three is, the thing in the letter is, some of us men are just born to protect other people. And if we don't have a purpose any longer, then we just die. And a Nick Offerman character does 
the same thing. He no longer has a uh, reason to live anymore, so he kills himself. And this Henry character no longer has a reason to live anymore, so he kills himself. That's not terribly interesting to me. It's much more interesting to me that the idea that Henry would then go on and like try to make it in this world with the full weight of all of the awful things that he's had to do to survive and for his loved ones. And then maybe six months from now, he fucking kills himself, right? right? Because he comes to terms with all of this shit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe well, I'm, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to put too much into a show that's just a fucking uh, mushroom zombie show, and that's on me, I guess. So you know, you're right uh, as far as there being only one episode, and I thought overall I, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, the Henry character, like it, it's it seems like the the motivation for him, like Laura said, is basically this was his purpose for living, and then that was gone. But also they were talking about how he wasn't violent at all. He's not a violent person in any way. You know, he turned on a, 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 what sounded like a very great guy, like the brother of that crazy woman who, who also died. Like, he's not violent at all. He, he thinks of himself as somebody who's not violent at all. He hasn't shot anybody, hasn't done anything. They're just surviving. And he and his brother, all great. He instinct, instinctively, instinctively just shoots him dead. Because, like, remember the, the sequence of actions was, like, I don't know, I guess the one with uh, the immunity. She thought, oh, I'll just... Uh, put some blood on you this will sort it out let's just sleep it off and we'll be fine that doesn't take and uh, some very stupid wish casting on her part by the way (laughs) maybe she just misunderstood you know their education isn't that great right uh the federal schools right so they tell her hey your blood is the cure i'm sure that's how they sold her this whole thing so she probably took that literally but the morning of the kids uh his situation gets worse, and now he's like reacting. And I guess he didn't react. He didn't a- attack her before because he's uh, hard of hearing. And is that why? Like he, he was just kind of faced away from her, and so like he kind of knew that. Had he? Been- I guess I didn't. I hadn't even considered she that. Was I, I assume. I assume that she was. He was just zoned out. But you're right. Maybe they factored in his deafness to where even zombie him doesn't hear enough to know and that he can just sleeping. turn around and, and was, yeah but, but they're very sensitive to the to the right, sounds why, that the why not other creatures make yeah. right why not assault at right. night but anyways so there's like this uh little fisticuffs like you know it's like trying to bite her and uh you know she's trying to defend herself and the adults you know uh the 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 pedro guy and uh henry you know henry identifies immediately oh shit this fucking guy uh the muscle uh, of the operation is going to kill my brother so he right. takes the gun first and he holds them back and because of what he's doing to uh to bella like he just without thinking i think it's the what what did i do i think it was just a simple like momentary like what did i do yeah but i don't know i don't think that he thinks that he's killed his brother like he recognizes like intellectually he's killing this creature right not his brother right like i don't think that he thinks he's putting his brother down no, that's he thinks true, he's but, putting down the zombie right but what i'm saying is like if if it is true that he has never like he's never done something but it's still a mind fuck right i mean it's like yeah sure most of the kid is still there i mean he's got the little you know weird facial thing but that's still a weird emotional thing and so i was thinking that plus like what laura's saying like th- this whole purpose like he gave up the cause right just to save his brother, yeah. and now his brother's dead, and, like, what the hell's the point? Like, if you don't care about the overall... 
Also, Same. like, who wants to live with yourself in this fucking world? Right. Just everyone should kill themselves. That is true. I don't know <laughs> why. Is, why they are trying a little too hard, these people. This take. is my old take about Lori uh, from years ago. It's just that, like, in the event of the apocalypse, I'm uh, out. Lori would just be dead. Yeah. And there would be no, like... Uh, well, first I'll join the government. Right. First I'm all in with fascism yeah the like, fedra people yeah I'll, I'll help but if things get gross if there's no air conditioning yeah. fuck this no that's true <laughs> also i would assess Lori, like Lori would, eat, Lori would eat her first uh mre without air conditioning and decide to just try to jam the, try to jam the plastic knife that they gave her with the mre into her fucking throat just be done with it anyway you uh you got anything else for us tonight Abe? nope i guess that's all we've got for tonight then and we will talk to you next time later I wrote my first research paper in middle school. I wrote about the Titanic. It was like a it was a thing that I cared a great deal about. I was super interested in it and really into it and uh allowed myself to get very excited to see this movie because of course I'm, you know, I'm what am I in 1997? We were I'm in 14, I'm in 7th yeah, or 8th like grade. 8th grade. And I was very excited to see the movie and like I liked it just fine. I thought it was even even at that point I was like not not able to buy in in a way that you needed to be able to buy in with this with this movie. Uh but in terms of like I think that my 15-year-old brain was like as a technical achievement this was spectacular, you know, like <laughs> one, trying to be one of these assholes. Uh and it was very cool to see things that I had read about as like, you know, like literally as a Four, th- 13 or 14 year old like my first major like 10 or 12 page research paper that i wrote uh seeing that reenacted faithfully on the screen was was very wow. cool certainly nice. uh, i was obligated to like it because i'm the generation that was the leo generation like the thinking he's oh, hot yeah, yeah. thing yeah. i didn't because he looks and sounds like a little lady to me but like I went and saw that movie a few times, I think. Yeah. It's not good. I didn't think it was good. It's very entertaining. Kind of went along Ship goes it. down. You yeah. can't go wrong with that. <laughs> By the way, Bob, I will say, uh, all of the trappings of modern life up to that point all fell away. The only thing that stuck was uh, the religious people. You know, they were like climbing to the top of the thing before they died inefficiently. And they're like this preacher guy. Like, oh, this will be over soon. Don't worry. The Lord will help you out. So there you go. Another point for the... Religious people. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the coastal erosion. We are scamp. skying on you. <laughs> Great episode. What a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> what a stupid... What? what a, it's, the, the, it's, it, it is precisely how every West Wing episode basically goes, right. which is uh, we can't possibly do this thing the forthright way. Uh, we must have all of these machinations to avoid doing anything forthrightly. And then in the last act, in the last 10 minutes of the episode, Bartlett just gets fucking super mad. Right. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to do this as forthrightly as possible. <laughs> and then Leo is like, yes, just like I planned all along. I've secretly been trying to stop you from doing the forthright thing in order to get you to do the forthright That's thing right. it's a long at the end of the episode. And then lots of like smiling and nodding. And then we just do this for seven fucking years yeah. for some reason <laughs> quality program and also some also some cg craig cj craig misogyny thrown in oh yeah for, that's for a classic luck. sorkin someone's shooting 
Anyway, good night. Good night. Good night.